Hello? No, you can't be like Party Line. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> we have some I'm stuff to edit. sell. Yeah, we have stuff to sell. <laughs> stuff to sell. We got a cat. Does anyone need a cat? Right. Ooh, we got two couches. I think we got one single spur. <laughs> I'm going to edit this first part out. I'm going to start out with Caitlin. <laughs> but, uh, are you ready? You got your phone on silent? No, we'll put it there. I'll just turn that deal off. Okay. Make sure mine's on silent here. Hang on a second. Yeah, fuck, I don't know how to do that. You got an iPhone? Yeah, a little iPad. Oh, drag the top deal down. Well, I'm trying to. It won't let me do it. Uh, I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, how do I get back to here? You son of a bitch. Yeah, but you don't say. Okay. Yeah, but you don't say. Corey, you, you're not starting yet, are you? No. You know, last winter, I was haying cows with Ira, and he looks at me and straight face ever, and he says, we can't say fuck you. And I said, no, Ira, we can't tell people to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good idea, Ira. Well, we got one more for you. We's, what's we getting ready? And I farted, and Caitlin asked me if my shit his pants, and Ruby said, yeah, he shit his pants. You you cut out there for a minute. Did your phone die or something? No, the son of a bitch and sleep screen or whatever. Come on. That's what I mean. Huh? That's what I mean. Can you go into your settings and set that? Oh, you probably can. You can set your sleep timer for like several minutes, but as you go, you just got to keep pushing or swiping on it because that's what I got to do with my damn phone, too. Okay. You guys ready to go? Sure. Hell yeah. Okay. I'm going to do a little pause and then I'll start. Okay. Okay, we are in the saddle shop today. Uh, I don't remember what episode it is, but we're here with Logan, my brother, a.k.a. Beef, and the legendary Caitlin Cooper. Huh. Say hi, boys and girls. Hey. Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> so this uh, this uh, podcast, we're going to talk about cowboy couples and how it's difficult and some advantages and disadvantages. But so, Caitlin, tell us how you got into the cowboy world. Well, I can have like a really weird background. So I did not grow up in a ranching family. My family was my dad was a dairy farmer and that's what he came from and from a very young age I started riding horses and the lady who was teaching me she took me as her child basically and I lived with her from the time I was five on 
and I moved to Utah with her and we grew and I lived on a very remote ranch with her. So from there on, she was my mom. I would go see my family very rarely, but she was my caretaker, my person. So that's how I started it. And from there on, it's like we did everything together. Like she, she showed me every single way that there was to be a female in ranching. Oh, cool. So where was that at? In Calio, Utah. Okay, you did start. I thought she was from Illinois or something. Or, or, um, how did that go about? You've always, you sorry, sorry. You're breaking up, sorry. Oh, you've always been from Utah, though? I was born in Colorado, in the high country in Colorado. Oh, okay. I see. But, yep, and I moved to Utah when I was five, and the rest kind of history. We uh, The ranch I grew up on was 150,000 acres, and that was just our division. Oh, really? So it, was, it was a big spread, and by the time I was... What? Oh, by the time I was 13, I was living in my own cow camp, which was, I mean... What thirteen-year-old kid doesn't want to live by themselves in the middle of nowhere with mouse crawling all over them? But <laughs> I thought it was cool. Did you have bears there? No, uh, there was some. So we were right next to the Haystack Peak, so we had some forest allotment that you would go up onto, and there was bear, and we had huge elk. I mean, the best hunting and the the best meat you could ever think of. Oh, I bet. But it, it was really unique. So, like, where we lived, it was, like, in a valley. You know, we had some irrigated alfalfa fields. And, and then all around us, we were cut, surrounded by mountains. And it was absolutely beautiful. And, I mean, we had no neighbors, basically. The only neighbors we had were neighboring ranches. And we all worked as a community. It, it was really, sure. like, set back in time. Because nowadays, people don't get this experience where it's, like, everyone helps each other out. Like, even when I moved out east more it's like i i was kind of like distraught because the ranching community changes the farther east you go right so it was it was interesting to me because we would help each other out i went to the you know i started moving east i i lived in colorado wyoming montana uh where else i live south dakota nebraska and it was weird because i i'd moved to certain ranches and people would you know, they wouldn't talk to each other. It's like, or trade help. And it was funny to me because like growing up, that's what you did. It's like when it was time to wean, it's like everyone worked together. All the neighboring ranches came together and helped. Like we didn't have a yeah. whole lot of hired help because everyone was, was your hired help. Sure. Yeah. So how long was you in Utah then? Until I was 18. Okay. Then where'd you go? From there, I went to Colorado for a little bit and then to Wyoming. So when I went to Colorado, I, I, I really had a passion for training horses. Like growing up on the ranch, it was a lot of fun and, and the cattle were great. But like my true passion was training horses from the time I was really little. My first horse I started, I was seven years old. <laughs> and and thank goodness she was as gentle as can be. Like she she wasn't good at anything but she just took care of me. Like it was like, God was watching over and said, yep, this girl needs some help. So I great, had her. Great and, first project. Exactly. And, and from there, then it, then it kind of like, it was like a snowball effect. So I was like, well, you started this one. So how, let's throw some more at you. And then I got Jeez. into the habit of, I had to start all the ponies, which <laughs> then I hated ponies. And still to this day, it's like people come up to me and they go, 
well, I got a pony you should ride. And in the back of my mind, I just really want to cuss him out and be like, don't even talk to me. (laughs) But I take him. Yeah. So from there, I went and I started a bunch of horses and which you did. It's like we had brood mares and and we did. Sorry. Train of thought. We had brood mares. So we had so many colts each year to start. And so we we did a lot of our uh, start. The way we started our horses and trained them was with the same as Ray Hunt. Okay. Yep. And I got really fortunate that like we I rode with a bunch of really good horsemen. And we went to clinics and I got to ride with really good horsemen. And it's still something to this day that it's like, I, I, it's a passion for me. It's the more I can learn, the more I can see. And even, I mean, people sit there and laugh and joke and say, oh, well, Paparelli is this, that, and the other. It's like, well, you know, Paparelli may not be my style of riding, but he still is good at what he does. Right. Yep. I've noticed yeah. in the cowboy culture, we, we tend to put other people down if it's not, you know, the coolest thing or the ranchiest. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we can take something from everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And Pat, I mean, people can make fun of him all they want to, but the guy's made a living teaching other people his method. I mean, that says something. <laughs> Somebody's paying attention, you know. Well, and he was a cowboy before he even became doing this. It's like, Honestly, yeah. like, I think people are more just mad that he was able to coin his method and, and he's making millions off of it. Because oh, yeah. He, yep. He's seen the opportunity. and But, I mean, we're all going to be mad at something, right? So we got to pick on right. people. And the truth well, is, that's where even, people had to start. Yeah. Well, even Clinton Anderson, he, I listened to him a few times and he even says it. it was like, we're all doing the same stuff. It's just there's different ways to get there. So him and uh, Chris Cox and Pat and Buck and, you know, all these different trainers, they're all doing the same thing. They're just marketing them differently. And well, that's pretty much how it is. Well, absolutely. And not only that, it's like we all learn differently anyway. So like just because it is similar or it is different, it's like me and you may listen to the same person talk and you may go and say, well, this person said this. And I'd say, no, they said that. We're going to take right. things differently and we're going to learn oh, yeah. differently. So it's good that yep. there's so many options. You know, even when I'm doing my carving classes and I'm teaching how to draw, I'll almost split up the room because some people can see something in their head. That's how I am. And they can put it on paper. Other sure. people, they have to see it on paper and then transfer it to their paper on, you know, their own twist but it's two different styles of learning and and I'm getting better about teaching both, but it's really hard for me that I was like, okay, we'll just do this. And (laughs) if you're in my, you know, that learning frame or whatever you want to call it, um, it makes sense. But if you're not, you're looking at me like I'm an idiot and like, well, what do I, what do I take out of this? You know? So, it's it's definitely a challenge in teaching different people different ways, but so uh, well absolutely. You was you was up here in my country for a while too, right? Yep, yep. I lived up in Mile City for a while, well, south of there, um, when I was with my ex, and and that was kind of a bad experience for me. And just in general, I I was very unfortunate to have a bad relationship which makes mine and Logan's relationship so much better because we are able to grow with each other and build off of each other. Right. Yep. But 
I'm going to go back to the horse training thing. And it's like, just go back to my childhood and my teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, it always cracks me up because Julie was one of those people that I always called it the flavor of the week. And so whatever, we always watched RFD TV and whatever clinician that week, we were going to go try it on our horses. And I remember going out there into the round pen and she's like, look, do it like this. I remember just shaking my head thinking, why? Like we, (laughs) we train our horses this way. Why do we need a change? And it's funny that the older I get, the more I look and say, well, yeah, might as well try it. Like maybe it works better. Yeah. But one of, for a while, we started training reining horses. Julie got really into that. So we had a bunch of reining horses around. Well, I say reining horses. We raced Hancocks. And I'll re- never forget the first time I went to a reining show. And here's all these, you know, $30,000, 14-hand horses. And these guys running around. And they're shiny and pretty. And here I come in with my big old platter-footed Hancock horse. His <laughs> head is bigger than most of those horses. And they're just staring at me like, oh you poor girl and my horse executed my pattern perfectly and they you know they kind of laughed and they said well good job and it was kind of one of those things like i wasn't there to prove anything i was just so nervous but excited at the same time that i gotta take this big horse that i started and trained myself into a ring and show that you know kids from a ranch can do just the same as someone who you know maybe had all these opportunities or a horse that was a lot more expensive than you know my probably $500 at the time horse that I had. Well, it meant a hell of a lot more to you too than it did them guys if they would have done a good job too. Well, yeah, and not only that, that horse already made its living with me because we'd go home and we doctored calves and go and sure. check windmills. And I mean, he was multi-purpose. And, and with that, like, so we, we were all about making sure our horses could do everything. And Julie really got me into writing English, which I, everyone's going to laugh and say, who's going to write English? But I think everyone should take the opportunity to do so, because if you want to learn balance and how to ride, you should write English. Oh, yeah. But I yep. take my Hancock horses and go do cross country. And it was it was a blast. It was like those horses did phenomenal at it because ranch work is very similar. It's like you have to ride long distance and your horse has to stand on a and it's like, so my horses would go across there. We could flat run across there and jump jumps. And by the time we were done at the end, they weren't even hardly breathing because they, it was another day. Yeah. Yep. And I think people forget about the versatility of a horse that um, I was with a gal uh, when I was in Oklahoma and she was big into the raining and stuff. And, and she was arguing with me one time about um, bridle bit horses and that's a whole nother subject, but she was with the raining deal. And so that's where the, you know, the hack war and everything came about. And I was like, what the hell have you been smoking? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it was long before any of this crap came about. But um, so she was really big into that and she had a pretty dang nice horse. But I was like, why don't you come back, uh, come back to Nebraska with me and I'll show you what a horse is made to do and not just, you know, do shit in the arena i was like let's go actually use them and i'll show you what a horse is made for and that just completely changed her whole world her whole train of thought on horses and now she's doing mounted shooting and all sorts of crazy stuff and trick horses and you know it was it was just that eye opener that you don't have to you know do this pattern this 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 is like you got to go cover country and make that horse cow up and, and do something and get gates and get in a wreck or two and, and let them figure it out. 
Yeah, and that was right when we was running all over the countryside, Brandon. Yeah, yep. I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> we, yeah, she, if she we, listens to it, she will too. But yeah, we kind of we covered the countryside. We went to a lot of them that spring. Yeah, and riding colts and stuff, and um, you know, uh, that poor girl, she was just. Oh, she was so sore. She couldn't hardly walk by the end of the day because she wasn't used to actually, you know, going out on a circle or doing anything besides training her horse to do this or do that. Well, after that, she kind of started, you know, going out on trail rides and stuff and and actually letting her horse kind of go do something besides being a trained horse. And that makes any sense. Well, exactly. So anyone who's trained horses knows that like, if you do arena work, them horses get burned up real fast. Oh yeah. And so if you have some way to get that horse to understand that what you are doing in the arena translates to outside to work, the horse is going to take it so much better. And, and I mean, I, so when I was 20, I had my own show barn and I was riding 14 horses a day. And at first I loved it. It was great. You know, it's like, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to train horses, but Within a year, I was so burnt out on it because it was, you train this horse and it's just like a cookie cutter program. You have to get this horse to a certain point by a certain day. And it was, it was killing me because it's like, these horses were, were depressed and for lack of better terms, they were sad. You know, it was like, that's not what they were meant to be. And it's like, all I felt like all I did was push them to be that way. And it's not fair. And then I, so I quit doing it. And I was like, I went back to doing ranching and my horses were happier and I was happier because it's like. They don't want to go just go around circle and circle. That's not what they're made for. No. Well, even just keeping a horse in a round pen too long will just completely destroy one that, I don't know, how many horses that I get, and I'm sure you guys have got a lot of them that just have no forward movement. Well, hell, they spend 30 days in a round pen. What the hell do you expect? You know, they have no forward movement because there's no, um, oh, what the hell do I want to say? There's no purpose in them they have no purpose it's just going around 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 pen what's the purpose of it well yeah they have nowhere to go horses are claustrophobic as it is so it's like you put them in a small area they think well this is what my life is this is what i'm supposed to do yeah and they just get burnt out they don't want to go and they get mad because they like they can't you know it's fight or flight well they can't even flee in that situation so then they get to the fighting stage and Oh, this problem horse, and you know, it's you know, shit. Every <clears throat> teenage girl that's come up in the last fifteen, well, pretty much since that Buck Brenneman movie came out, every girl thinks that they got this big problem horse, and they fixed them. Well, shit, like just get them out and get them moving forward and cover some country, and that's ninety percent of the problem. Not saying that none of them did have a problem horse, but like if they're not trying to paw your head off, it's not that big of a problem horse. One thing I was taught growing up is whatever the problem is, it's man-made. Horses aren't the problem, it's us. We teach our horses to be this way. But it's, you know, and and your forward movement is 100% correct. If there is one thing I could teach people, and, and let me go back, like, not to say I haven't ruined my fair share of horses, because we all have, like, starting out and learning and and trying to figure out things, you're going to ruin a horse, because it takes feel and it takes time to learn what's right. But one thing I wish I could teach everyone, and I watch a lot of young kids or people who haven't started a horse, and the first thing they do when they get on that horse is gather them up. And it's like, just let go of them. Let them go. Like, until you, that horse has gone days of just going forward, 
then pick up your reins and start telling him what to do. But let him yeah. go out in the open and just go. And leave him alone. Exactly. And yeah. it's like, we gather up the horses and then the horses stop. And then they don't have any forward momentum. And then people are like, oh, or they start rearing or bucking. It's like, well, yeah, where are they supposed to go? Right. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely too much of the, well, I wouldn't even say collecting, but I think there's a lot more fear. And usually when people get on and like, Marty helped me out a lot, man. I learned so much going down there. And like, we'd both be doing groundwork and then he'd throw me on one. And the first horse that I got on was like, if you're going to be nervous, be nervous in your head, not your body. Sure. Like if you have to be nervous, be nervous in your head, not your body. Because as soon as you tense up, they feel that, and then they get nervous, and it all transfers that energy to them. And the more that I was doing it, the more I could stay relaxed. Man, we'd every once in a while you'd have one that buck a few, you know, a few times. But for the most part, if we stayed relaxed. They didn't care at all that I was on them because he was pushing them around and turning them. I was just dead weight on them, really. Yep. And, man, we started, you know, we'd, we'd make at least 10 horses a day going like that. And then it got to where we was both doing it, you know, so we was doing more. But I think that's the biggest thing that I've noticed starting horses is just being loose, being relaxed. And that definitely transfers to them. Well, and, and that's with just cowboying in general, too. It's like you get out there and, and I'm a prime example of it. So like before I was in my past relationship, I used to rope anything and, and do anything. And it was, you know, it's like the the bigger of a wreck it could be, the more fun it was. You know, it's like I was gung ho for it. And I got right. a pretty bad relationship that really messed up with my mind. And now it's like when I go to rope, I second guess myself all the time. Well, what if this happens? Or what if what if I can't do it? And so then my horse knows it, too. And they're going. Well, yeah. What if you can't do it? Then, then right. I'm stuck in this wreck, you know. <laughs> do you think that's that happened more after you have kids? Oh, you definitely. I, you know, I, yeah. I never believed that. So everyone was like, "Yeah, once you have kids, you're not going to be so gung ho about doing this, that, and the other." And I definitely agree. It's like you have your kids, and in the back of your mind, you're constantly like, "If I get hurt, who's going to take care of them? You know, who yep. is going to be the one to support them?" And especially like Logan and I's case, because we were both single parents for a while. It's like then you're like or overtime about it. It's like, well, oh. who's going to be the caretaker? Exactly, and I think about that a lot more now than I used to too. Just for you know, like I'm not primary caretaker obviously but at the same time if i screw something up i don't have insurance i don't have anything there's nobody here at the shop it's not like i can call a buddy and be hey can you come make this saddle for me or something or it's not like somebody um hey can you feed these cows two bales or three bales and do this and this and this if you get banged up it's you're out of work i mean that's just it and when the whole ranch bronc riding thing kind of got started there, like I was all about, it. I thought that was a lot of fun. And then like right after that, I had a kid. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I did. maybe not so much, but. Well, yeah, uh, it definitely changes your mind about things. And see, that's, that's kind of funny too about the ranch bronc thing. So I wasn't allowed to do it when I was younger. I wanted to do it as a teenager and stuff. And my mentor Rex, he, he was a phenomenal horseman. 
And he did not want me getting on them. He says, you know, you ride enough horses up back on the ranch. He's like, you don't need to go sh- get on one in a shoot that is purposely going to try to kill you. He's like, there's no point in that. So I told him I would never do it while he was alive. And then when he passed away, I was in my early 20s. And I, you know, I figured, well, you know, I might be able to, but I was so busy training horses and doing other things. I never got the opportunity to. And it's funny that after I had my kids is when I got my opportunity to get on Ranch Bronx. And my buddy Tyler called me one day and said, well, I'm going to go. Where do we go? Uh, Buffalo, South Dakota. He's like, I'm going to go to Buffalo, South Dakota and get on Bronx. You want to go? And I'm like, you know what? I'm in. And so I found someone to watch the kids and I hopped in the pickup with them and we drove to South Dakota and I get up there and I draw the Hebs best horse. And I mean, I'm thrilled. (laughs) Like, I'm like, what a privilege until I get up there and I'm standing back there and I'm like, oh, like, we're serious now. (laughs) They're they're not built like little ranch ponies, are they? No, and it's like, and it's the just being back there, the intimidation factor, like you're standing, I mean, Justin Quint was there and it's like, I mean, who's a world champion ranch bronc rider. And I'm just like standing there like in awe, like, because the truth is, is like, these guys are great. You know, like, this is what they do. And it's like, I want to take in everything I could and learn from them. It's like, yeah, I can ride a horse that bucks across the pasture, but riding that and then getting on something in a shoot that, I mean, literally they do buck different. Like you, yeah. yeah, I mean, we could all ride a crow hop across the pasture and think that we're pretty tough, but it's a lot different when you step down onto one of the shoot. And it's huge, huge what your mind does to you. Because even if you are ready, you sit down there and you go, well, there's people watching me and this horse is big. And and they're not, I mean, some of them are little, but no matter what, in your mind, you're like, well, this is a big horse and he seems pretty mean. And, and so your mind starts playing tricks. And I remember that first horse I got on and uh, Charge came up to me, Charge him, and he's like, oh, you pulled our best horse. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, you know, and he's like, well, good luck. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> and this horse's signature move was as soon as the gate opens, he take two jumps forward and suck back really hard and jump back to the right. And I well, wasn't ready for it. So, I mean, like, I was, you know, I got the two jumps and he sucked back and I face planted right there. And he <laughs> danced around on top of me and everywhere I rolled, he was there. It's like yeah. he knew the dance and we were, tra- I was trying to get out and I got up and, and I tore my shirt, but I was like, you know what? That wasn't too bad. And, and ever since then, every time I go to any ranch rodeo and they have their horses there, Charger's always like, Hey, Hey, Caitlin, you remember that horse? And I'm like, <laughs> yep, I remember that horse. <laughs> but it is, it's like you, every time I got on a ranch frog, it was, what if I break something? What if I get really hurt? Like I, I my job is, I mean, I ranch. It's like, who's going to pay for my kids? Like, if I get stoved up and I can't do anything, I have no nothing else to fall onto. It's like, yeah. so you do. But at the same time, it's like, I push to about it because it's like, I don't want my kids growing up and go, well, I wish I would have done this. Or yeah. I want them to be like, my mom went and did this when she was, you know, early 30s. And, and she never did it before, but she went and did it. So it's like, why can't we do it? Right. Well, and it's, I think a lot of it's the challenge of it. It's like, I know I can ride one, but I want, I want to see, you know, if I could ride like a rank one, you know, and and a lot of them deals you go to and, and nowadays they're getting a lot better stock, but you see guys go out there and fall off of a hopper and it's like, shit, I could have rode that. I could have rode that, you know? So I was like, I I got, I need to try it out. And the coolest thing though, or 
the I went to Rapid here two years ago, I think it was, for the Bronx for breakfast, and Birch had their stock there, and they're they're ranked. Oh yeah. If you watch the the guys' faces when they come out, that first big jump, and they realize the dragon that they got on and the power behind them. Like every one of them, you know, aside from obviously like Justin and a few of them older guys that know them horses, but any guys that came there just to get on, man, their eyes get big and they definitely the oh shit factor is huge, right? You know, they didn't jump, they're they're like, holy shit, and then yard darted off to the side. That, oh, yeah, they, they were ready until you felt that felt that power behind them and yeah it's a whole different deal well and if if anyone has ever been on a birch bronc they'll know it's like they they are a different caliber i mean there's a reason why them horses go to nfr and birch broncs are cool to get on too because it's it's a shoot draw so you don't even know what you're gonna get until you get up there like they don't you know most time you go up there you know and you go oh this is you know i'm getting on hollenbeck's horse here so you go out there and you look and you get your cinches ready and you're like okay you know, this horse is this. And, and all that, you get to go talk to the stock contract to be like, what does this horse do? Like, does he drop a bunch? Is he all front end? Like, what is going to happen? Not with Birch. It's like, you get in there and it's like, you know, you pull in there and they say, oh, here's your horse. And you walk up there and you go, oh, okay. You know, Lunatic from Hell was at one of them. And this poor kid is like, I don't know if he's been on three Saddle Bronx in his <laughs> life. I mean, he you could see his boots just shaking together. <laughs> And all of us are standing back there like, wow, that's a privilege. But at the same time, that is intimidating. I mean, that is a phenomenal bucking horse. And to be able to like sit there and say, I don't even care if you only made it like one jump out. To be able to just be like, hey, I had the courage to get on that horse is huge. Yeah. I bet he had his will wrote in his gear bag. <laughs> probably. Probably phoned his mom and told her he loved her before he got on. But <laughs> oh, no, no. But I mean, Ranch Bronx to me is, is really interesting and it's a lot of fun. I I kind of have a love hate with it too, especially like with the women's ranch bronc riding right now because Dude. because right now and I and I experienced a lot when I'd go places like if I'd get bucked off, people are like, "Wow, you rode them!" Like, no, I got bucked off, and they're like, "Yeah, but you still got on." I'm like, "Yeah, so did all these other guys." Yeah, but they wouldn't get that uh, admiration because they were men, and that's what men do, right? Men ride bronx, women don't. It's like so. Now it seems like every girl who, and and they, it's not all of them, but there's a lot of girls in it who are in it for the wrong reasons. Like they get in it, they want to get on these broncs so they can go say, hey, I, I got on a bronc. Instead of saying, you know, instead of trying to get better, it's like, it's a very dangerous sport that you can die at to just get on and say, hey, I got on a bronc. Right. Well, how many, how many hometown rodeos have guys got on bulls just to say they did and, getting a hell of a wreck it's the same deal and i'm i'll you know the whole ranch bronc riding thing came to town hell yeah i'll jump on the bronc like hometown guy why not and well exactly you know like i think a lot of that goes around and and i think a lot of it the girls are trying to prove something too some of them anyway but i guarantee you there's some girls out there that can stick a bronc a hell of a lot better than most guys can too well, I, yeah, I grew up with some of them. And not only that, it's like a lot of them, though, that should be out there. You'd never catch them in the arena. And they'd oh, ride yeah. better than anyone. Yep. But and definitely there is. But in my opinion, 
there are some girls that can flat ride a bronc. Men, a lot of times, are better at riding broncs just because women don't have that sheer uh, strength. Yeah. The yeah. way women are built, just the way our hips sit. You know, men's hip way, the men's hips sit, they can suck their hips underneath them a lot better than a woman can. Well, not only that, but just the, the neck strength that it takes to keep from getting whiplash. Oh, yeah. I get whiplash every time. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I've had so many people say, well, tuck your chin. It's like, I do tuck my chin. And I can't tell you how many times it's like, <laughs> well, it just comes loose. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's a lot of guys that ride a lot of Bronx, and they just, they're just stout enough that they can just flat hang on to them, and they don't have to have any you know, rhythm or anything like that. And then, I mean, there's plenty of guys that definitely do, but um, you can definitely tell when they're, when they come out of the chute, some of them will hit the D's and overpower them. And some of them will just flat out ride them. Right. And there's a, there's a huge difference between that too. Like you see them guys that are just, I mean, you could tell they're in the gym every single day working out. But if you watch them, they're not actually riding them horses. They're just no. holding on. Yeah. And then you yep. see the guys out there that, I mean, it's it's beautiful to watch. You know, it's like music because they just, in a dance, they just go out there and, and yeah. they're so smooth. And there's a difference. And it's the same with female. Like, women have to figure out when they ride Bronx that, like, we're not going to be able to manhandle them. Like, that's the only reason yeah. why I learned how to ride Bronx is because growing up, I couldn't lift up their head. I can't remember how many times growing up I heard, pull his head up, pull his head up, he's back in. And I'm like, I'm sitting over there screaming, I'm trying, I'm trying. And yeah. I couldn't do it. So it's like, so you just yeah. learn to ride it. You got a better chance of slapping them in the nose with your feet than you do pulling your head up. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care what it is. I can't pull their head up. Yeah. I don't think I still could if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give to girls that they, man, I, I really want to work, ride a ranch bronc. Just, just one time. I just want to get on one and see if I can do it. What'd you tell them? You know, honestly, I, that's a really hard question for me because it really has to do with their background. And, you know, it's like if it was someone who rides on a regular basis, you know, and like, I don't even mean like, you know, is like competing heavily, but can lope across the pasture freely, you know, could drop the reins and just feel their horse and be happy with it. You know, it's like, that would be one thing. It's like, go for it, you know? Learn what you need to do before you get there. Like, don't show up and get behind the shoe and take up everyone's time. Because let's face it, the stock contractors are tired of people back there taking up everyone's time, holding up the show. And only that, like, them animals cost money. Like, they're they're expensive. They're expensive to feed. And they mean something to them. So it's like, you put your saddle on them, it's wrong, and that horse gets hurt. Or it's like, you're you're taking up this man's time. Or woman, whoever owns the the stock Mm -hmm. so it's like i definitely think like you need to pursue it but i think you need to be ready for it. it's like and just like anything it's like you know yeah we could all just show up and be like you know i could go somewhere and be like i want to ballroom dance and i'm just going to show up to this competition right now and do it well i'd kind of look like a fool because a i don't know how to dance and b i never even knew i've never watched ballroom dancing so it's like if these girls want to do it it's like a big thing they could do is if they really want to ride a bronc, and it sounds absolutely silly, ride your horse bareback over jumps. Yeah. Because it's the same motion. Yep. But and that goes that goes back to the English riding too. Like if you ever seen an English guy uh, or English rider ride a bucking horse, like them dudes can flat out ride. Well, yeah, when they buck, they don't have anything to hold on to. They're no. you know, they're saddled. I mean, you're no, just there for the ride. Yeah, it's all it's all balance. It's pretty amazing to see. Well, exactly. But I definitely think like girls shouldn't be discouraged. 
you know, it, and if it's something you really want to pursue, then do it. Like, don't let any men tell you you can't do it. And the thing about it is, in the Ranch Brown community, guys are great about it. Like, if they know you are there for the right reasons, they'll help you out. You know, yeah. I've had so many people like uh, Cody and Kanan McCarthy, like they, I mean, they're phenomenal. And they've come up and it's like, even when I was like saddling my horses, you know, in the shoot, and they were just having a free time, they'd come over and help you, you know? And it's yeah. like, that's phenomenal. And that's what it is. It's like, if they know you're there for the right reasons, anyone will help you. But if you go up there and you boast about how amazing you are and, and that you're going to take everyone's money and, you know, it's like, no one's going to help you. Like you have to be humble, you know, and have some yeah. humility to you. Thing I to that and like, I have, I, shit, I haven't got on as many as you have even, but the ones that I have done, having someone there that can saddle your horse for you. So you can just flat focus on what you're doing. Like you got enough shit going on in your mind and trying to stay calm and everything. If you have somebody there to help you saddle and help um, get down and everything, that makes a huge difference. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You're so you're saddling your horse. And not only that, it's like, there's, you know, guys already going out for their ride right there or someone behind you saddling your horse. So there is so much going on that you're focusing on everything else. And me, like, you know, I'm like a raccoon and if something shiny, I got to look at it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm like trying to sell my horse and watching this guy ride and, and we go, well, that's a pretty good ride. And, you know, and it's like, oh, wait, I got to sell my horse. So that's why it was really nice. We always traveled like I had riding partners and stuff and we'd always travel together so that in the shoot, we'd all help each other. You know, yeah. and we'd always make sure that whoever was riding, we'd all be there to help get ready. And it makes a huge difference. Oh, and yeah. not like that, it's like your confidence goes up because you have someone there to support you with it. You know, it's like, you're not there by yourself trying to get this all done, which, yeah, I mean, we all know how to saddle our horses and we could probably saddle our horses like, you know, in a second flat in the barn. But once you get there and you have the crowd looking at you and the stock contractors yelling, you know, hurry up, let's go. You kind of slow down and you kind of like, I mean, there was a lot of times I would stand there and go, what am I doing? I have to like, you know, and I can't tell you how many times when I first started doing it, how to remember how to run my Latigo correctly for a Bronc. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what I was just going to say too. It, you don't just suck them up to your D. I mean, you gotta, yeah. That's well, yeah. A- the way that you loop it over and, and run it under your saddle. It's like, and that's the thing. It's like, I am very fortunate that when I did it, I had people help me. You know, I had people show me the correct way. And it's like, cause there's a lot of people who go out there and, no one gives them the time of day and they don't saddle their horse correctly or they settle their horse too far back. And I mean, I'm very fortunate that I rode a lot of pretty tough horses growing up that I, I put my saddle as far forward as I can. I don't even care if it's my good broke horse there. I mean, my saddle is on their shoulders because I don't want them to take a, a cheap shot at me, you know? Yeah. But a lot of kids don't. It's like, and then I watch people go there and, and they have like a flat seated roping saddle. And they yeah. put on that horse and it's a full rig in and that saddle is so far back. And the whole time I can think is, oh, I feel for you because I don't know how you're going to stay on. Ooh. Well, and like, especially you being a saddle maker, it's like you completely understand uh, yeah, why. Yeah, it drives me nuts. You know, but, I've helped a lot of kids get down for the first time and show up with some piece of crap saddle that they drug out of the barn and be, oh, it's a. You know, it's a shit saddle, so I can use it for ranch bronc riding. Man, that's not what you want. Like, you want a good saddle. Well, you want to ride something you ride in every day. Yeah. Like, you want to know that saddle. Yeah. It's like, I want to know where all my exits are. You know, it's like, where where does this saddle leak at so that I know that's where I don't want to be at? Right. 
And and I thought you got to be comfortable. Well, all them production-type saddles, you know, they set you so damn far forward. Like, you can't get to the front end. Well, I don't care what you do. The the guys that are riding these Corianis and stuff and old Herefords and whatever else, if they can stay on, like, I am so impressed because their feet are behind them the entire time. You can't get your feet to the front. And, I, and I've helped several guys, you know, they're getting into the ranch bronc deal and like completely overhaul their saddles so they can but if you watch well like justin quint and travis good them guys that they're spurring them in the main you're not doing that with your production saddle there's just no you're doing that like it, they are definitely you know uh cutting down stirrup leathers and moving stuff around and like there's so much to just the saddle alone to be able to do that sort of stuff so just grabbing your grandpa's old crapper saddle that's dried out and stirrups ain't even turned and throwing them <laughs> off the bronc is not a good idea that's a great way to get hung up and drug around the arena well exactly but and also like a lot of people don't realize there's rules like you're technically not supposed to modify your saddle like your saddle when you ranch bronc ride is supposed to be the saddle that you ride every day yeah. And so, I mean, there most people do modify their saddles, but you're not supposed to. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd go there and guys were like, why do you ride a custom saddle to get on that bronc? I'm like, because this is why I ride it every day. And I'm like, and I'm not going to put on some production saddle that I'm not used to or that's uncomfortable for me because I'm not going to be able to ride as well. Well, yeah. And, and people like talk about, well, it's a broken tree saddle, so I'll just use it for starting colts <laughs> Yeah, bronc right? I was like, you dumbass. I mean, that's you know, especially starting colts because you want that to be a good experience. But you start doing that on ranch broncs, and stock contractor finds out them horses are worth a lot of money. Like they are there; they're not just there to let you ride their horses for fun. I mean, they're there to make some money, and you might be the first handful of people to get on that horse, but that's you know a high dollar horse by the time they get past that and get into the you know mid stays to the pros depending on what what horse you're getting on whatnot but it's one thing if you're getting on killer horses but if you're getting on especially like birches i'm pretty sure if they caught you riding in a broken tree or something like that pinching their bronze they'd probably get a good talking to you well exactly and they and not only that it's like there's lots of people who, you know, oh, I just ride a broken tree. And then, and then later on, it bites them and, and the you know what, because them stock contractors find about it and they won't give them any good horses to ride. So then yep. you're, I mean, it's pointless anyways. Like, and not only that, it's like, you're, you're not going to put a broken tree saddle on your colt. You're not going to put a broken tree saddle on your good horse. So why would you put it on an, I mean, and technically them horses are athletes. So exactly. why would you put it on an athlete? Yep. Oh, even Logan, when he was wild horse racing, he said that Carl would always ride in his good saddle instead of putting all them other saddles that them guys put on there because yeah. you're going to be able to ride better. Well, and that's it. Me and Carl talked about that. and Like, well, we get this old crapper and whatever. And like, Why in the hell don't you ride the saddle that you ride every day? Like, you know you can ride that. Like, you get these junk saddles and put them on. Like, you can't ride your broke horse across the pasture. How the hell do you expect to ride one of them? One of somebody's old grandpa saddles cost us a buckle out in one time wild horse racing. We got the kid on and away he went and he's going and the damn rigging 
broke out of the saddle and he ended up in a pile and we had to walk back with a walk of shame. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, th- these guys that are, uh, you know, pro rodeo guys, they're not using crap saddles. They're not using crap gear. They're they're athletes. The horses are athletes. Same way with wild horse racing. You see it all the time. I don't know how many times I fixed somebody's saddle last minute so they can go ride it around the arena once. Well, shit, take a little bit of pride in your gear and check that stuff before you go out there. If you're, you know, even if you're out there for 500 bucks, why not be professional about it and and have something decent that you can trust, you know? I don't don't care if it's a damn you know if you're using damn seat belt for a for a cent or your latigos or whatever like make sure it's a good one <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny we was out to cheyenne wild horse racing and we was running against all them boys in california you know and you know the professionals and all them guys run is they have a tree and it's got a half half ways of rigging in it and then they don't even ride in stirrups or nothing. It's just the tree and a ground seat. Yep. And Clint Dexter's riding for me. And, of course, he had his actual ranch saddle, you know. Hell, he had fence pliers, holders, and tie strings <laughs> and everything. And we're down there getting ready, and everybody's looking at us. And uh, Clint's a very large gentleman. And he's looks at me and goes, what? I'm a real cowboy. What the hell's the problem? <laughs> and I don't know. It's just. Like you're saying, if you're gonna put your money in the hat to go compete, you might as well have something that you know is gonna work and that you're used to. Exactly. And when you say Clint's a large gentleman, you don't mean fat. Like Clint, no. Like the essential bulldogger that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Clint. He's. I don't think he played college football, but he's. He's damn sure could. Yeah, he's a big boy. I don't know. I see him rip the doors off a of beer garden one night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Clint is a stout fella. Yeah. Yeah. He would probably be one to tackle a grizzly bear and come out on top. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So- the whole wild horse race, and you've won Burwell a couple times, haven't you? Three. Three times? Yep, three. You got screwed out of once or twice, though, didn't you? Once. So pretty much four times? Yep. So, so explain a little bit what the wild horse racing is for anybody that's not familiar. Well, the first thing you do is you figure out what the worst idea you could do that day is and wild horse racing is about the top of the list yeah it's bad enough that he always asked me to ride for him and i told him i'd rather go get on a birch prong any day shit that's what i tell him too like every shit by the time i turn i don't know 16 i'd have at least four or five teams calling me wanting to ride (laughs) yeah i'm good like, well, yeah, but you get on them bucking horses. That's their job. They know it. They go in the right. ship. They you know, they don't all stand there, but it's like they know. Them horses that you get in a wild horse race, who knows what their problems oh, are? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of them. A lot of them you get are like soured saddle horses that wait like, wait till you get right there, and then they unload on you. Oh, yeah. Paw you in the head and everything else. And 
And Burwell is kind of one of the biggest ones, I think, ain't it? Burwell, Miles City, and Cheyenne. That's kind of yeah. the big three. Yeah, there's there's one in California, but I can't. Is it Redding? It's a big track race. Oh, uh, Red Bluff. Okay. Yeah, Red Bluff's a big track. But, yeah, I guess. I guess Burwell, Cheyenne, well, and Miles City, they're all a little different. Like in Burwell, they bring you out and you pick up some trailers and you unload. And in Cheyenne, the pickup men bring you out and then they bring the horse to you. And then Cheyenne, or in Miles City, you come out of the buck and shoot. Yep. But you have an anchor who hangs on for dear life. And you have an ear man that ears them down. And of course, you have a rider. Then you just get them saddled and them you go around the track which it's i think most all of them are about three quarters of a mile or a mile and then burwell's the biggest one that i've seen i've been trying a mile city i think burwell is quite a bit bigger is it yeah yeah then you like arena races you gotta go around a barrel or something silly like that but yeah them, them uh them small town deals going around the barrel, them, them ain't that fun to watch. I don't know. No, we won Valentine. Well, Clint Dexter and I, and another kid won Valentine, I think two years ago. And that's the buckle I always wear because that's the one where they, they bought the, brought the ponies off the res. And that's <laughs> yeah. kind of nerve wracking. And them suckers come to the shoot and they look over the, sh- over the gate at you. Mm-hmm. They just big, but I don't know. That's that's pretty all right one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I guess let's switch the conversation a little bit to. Yeah, you bet. Uh, couples, ranching couples. Um, how'd you guys meet? Um. Well, the first time we ever met was at the Ranch Rodeo in Arcadia. No. Oh, yeah. Logan was on a team, and I was riding Ranch Bronx, and gosh, what was that? Four years ago? Oh, man. Probably somewhere in there. Yeah. It is longer ago than that. No, I think it was about then, and and yeah. then, then I, you know, we didn't talk or anything, and about a well, year. Well, I kept bugging her, but. Finally, I wore her down and she committed. No, he. I had a, a litter of pops and he oh, asked yeah. to get a litter of He wanted one of them. And I was like, okay, you know, and not knowing anything because I'm oblivious to the world. <laughs> and he kept asking me about it and, and I told him, like, well, this is the pop and blah, blah, blah. And, and then he just kept blowing me off. So I was like, well, forget it. So I sold the pop and and then he, then, you know, he messaged me here or there. And then finally he's like, you want a job? coming high and i was terrified absolutely terrified because we did everything with teams growing up like we i knew very little about tractors and he wanted me to come run this tractor and and mow hay and i was like uh okay so i marched myself up there and it was really embarrassing <laughs> and i get up there and i walk up to logan and i shake his hand and i say hi i'm caitlin and he goes yeah i know we met and i was like <laughs> okay and i felt like you know to you know just a foot tall because i was like wow now i feel like a real jerk i have to work with you all day. <laughs> but so i go and he's like shows me the tractor i'm gonna run which 
is your old tractor. Oh, yeah. Which I love that one for the first year, but now I don't like it because it's really slow. Does it have the kickstand or the sissy bars on it still? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we get to mowing and it's like, I'm like just petrified of it the whole time because it's loud and it makes mechanical noises and it doesn't have a brain of its own. So it's like, so what are you supposed to do with it? You know? And the first thing that happens is I hit, you know, like whatever little piece of hill or whatever, and my bar breaks back. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I broke this. And I'm like freaking out. And I call Logan. And I'm like, I broke your tractor. And he comes over there and he just starts laughing. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, it's supposed to do that. He's no, like, I tried pl- playing it off. With, Holy cow, what did you break? Uh, so those that don't know, you was running a double nine uh, Rouse mower. Yep. On a 560 tractor. Yep. And when you hit something, there's a breakaway mechanism that your bar breaks back so you don't actually break the entire bar. Well, supposed to be. Supposed to be. But if they're too loose, they get really annoying, so you kind of jimmy-rig them up so they don't break back. And then you just yep. break the bar. Yep. Yeah, what I do, break two bars that year? It's all part of it. Yeah, no, I was not happy about any of it <laughs> breaking it. But anyway, so we, we worked also. Well, that was also. I didn't come work to you in August for, or something. Yeah. And so we worked together for a while. And then you helped us that fall, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and I helped all fall. And and it just kind of became one of those things. Like, we worked all the time together. Yep. And we went on a date. And then it was just kind of like, it, it, everything was just right. It was like we, excuse me, we meshed really well. Like, we, we're pretty much the same person other than Logan has the sense of humor of a 12-year-old. Yep. <laughs> and I have OCD, and he does not. So. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was really great. It's like, we, working together, it's, it's kind of one of those things, it's so funny that we are from thousands of miles, you know, a thousand miles apart, but the way we work cattle is exactly the same. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it was so fun to work together because, I didn't have to say, hey, go over there. And he didn't have to say it to me either. Like, we both just knew where to be. And, you know, it's like there was never any cussing and screaming. Like, you always see all those memes on Facebook. Like, you know, you know, being couples and working cattle together. You know, that's right. hell. It's like, we never had those. And we still don't have those moments. I think, actually, I say that. One time I did cuss Logan out while we were working cattle. Okay. <laughs> Corey, do you remember that cow? Her number is 091. Great big curly-headed cow to eat your lunch. That tried to kill me in the Durango? No, that's a different one. Oh. This one, okay, she's a second caver, and that was an intertoxemia was going through at the old grove. And you roped that cow or that cow, oh, Dr. Manchi, and yep. she chased you. That's her. Oh, okay. Yep. So, anyway, so I've already had my running with her a lot, and I was on Banner, which you know, Banner, mm-hmm. and we had Logan's dog Oreo with us. Yeah, the kid's named him Oreo. I'm sure you can figure out why. Yep. Anyways, so we're bringing them home, and Grandpa's behind me in the side-by-side, and all of a sudden, Oreo cuts this cow back, and she goes running past, and Grandpa stops her with his flag whip, and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, being Banner, you know, happy little Banner, go trotting up there, and all of a sudden, she is like hooking us for everything we've got, and I'm like, what in the world? I looked at I'm like, oh, it's curly. And so finally, like, me and, and your grandpa, which I love to death, 
is over there. I'm like, he has no fear in the world and is coming up with his flag whip and is going to beat that cow off of me. And I'm thinking like, you're 80 years old. Like, get out of here. I don't want you to get hurt. <laughs> Finally, I get her turned around and we're going back and I'm like, oh, just keep going. And here comes Oreo again and drives her over the top of us again. And I look at Logan and I say, call your blinking dog off. <laughs> and he just kind of looked at me and went, oh. And I mean, I was mad and but that was all it was. And finally we got her back in and we went along and I just laughed. and like, of all the cows to come back, she's <laughs> the one. Oh, yeah. There's but, a few of them that will make sure you give them a chance. Yeah, but all the mean ones are gone now. All the ones that would eat your lunch are gone. Except for we randomly had this new cow this last calving season that, I mean, I was just, I don't know, who was I riding? I don't remember who I was riding. I don't know riding. which story is this. When that one cow that came and ate you and Goliath, and that was in the trees, remember? We didn't move her or anything, because she was... Oh, yeah, what cow was that? She's a mean one. She's new. Yeah. Really? She's a new up-and-comer. Yeah, she's taking uh, the place of the others, because what was the one, the other cow that was open? Oh, 154. Yeah, oh, she's... really? She yeah, she was open. And oh, man. We rejoiced. That cow's like a legend there. I know. She was mean when she left, too, just so you know. Yeah, she she tried to crawl up in the flatbed with me a few times. <laughs> uh, I, I gave her a nice pat on the head five. while she was in Craig. What, what was that pitchfork cow, triple five or something triple like that? Triple five. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. folks, we used Calvin one time, or one spring, of course, and Corey was over there, and I was haying cows, you know, in the evening. And Corey went to go tag, and I was like, there's a 555. I said, don't tag her. We'll tag the calf. We'll tag him at Brandon. Of course, what was we maybe? He's probably 21 then or so. Right, yeah. And I got this pretty hot old 79 Super Cab Ford that Cab Cow's in. And Corey was up the hill a little bit, and I seen him step out, and I was watching. Of course, this is before we had, like, camera phones and everything <laughs> and all i see is these two cowboy boots like jumping up and down and trying to run or something and i see four cowboys here she comes and i can tell they're in the war pretty soon all i see is post over the top of the cab with a pickup just beating the hell out of this <laughs> yeah. and i come over and cory comes over like get, get him tag nope <laughs> yeah we'll get we'll get that one at brandon yeah i'm pretty it- sure have a podcast just on cabin cows down there. Oh, man. There's a with the like oh, oh ninety three or some damn thing. What was that? What was that dirty mean one that'd kill you if you gave her a chance? That um, there's like all of them. No, that there there is one of the ranch company cows. It was it's like oh ninety three that I was, I was out there tagging, and this calf was older because obviously you didn't tag her. No, because I'm smart. Yeah, so it was like, uh, like, I'll get this sucker, and I get out there, and I don't remember, I don't even think I got that calf roped. I, like, took, went after this calf, and she met me about halfway, and, like, it. I mean, it was at least four or five rounds around the old Durango before she finally gave up on me. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I was like, I called you, it was like, this dirty bitch, uh... I tried to tag this calf. It's an older calf. They're like, we're just going to have to rope this cow. And you're like, ah, oh, no, that's another one. Leave tell Brandon. That was, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, she'll kill you. Oh, well, that's good to know now. That was 532, and there's a post of mine on Facebook. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm on top yeah. of that 79 Ford, and she's on the flatbed just about coming at me. Yeah. She was, she's not one to mess around. You remember that 101 cow and we tagged or attempted to tie your calf or something? I don't remember how it all went down on the triangle, but pretty soon you and me were separated from everything. We had to walk down until <laughs> we found it broken up. Vince yeah. goes kick the stables out and go beat the hell out of her so we get back. Yeah, you was you was haying and I came in there. I was gonna go tag and like I knew she was a dirty, nasty old bitch, and I was like, ah. And she goes to hay, I'll sneak in there and tag that calf. And man, I got to hold that sucker. And she swapped ends and chased me out and chased me across the fence. <laughs> She's trying to come through the fence. And yeah, they found the damn fence post and beat the hell out of her for a while until she got uninterested. Yeah, probably the worst one I've ever dealt with over there was. This cow's having a leg back calf or something. She was dirty, bad. Finally, I, I think yeah, I had to rope her to drag her in. I don't know why I just didn't pull it there, but run her in the head gate. And I called Jean and told her, if you don't hear from me in an hour, come looking. <laughs> yeah. And that little cow I'm born over there, I, uh, she had me up in the rafters. I couldn't do anything. And by God, an hour here come Doug and Jean. Cause I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> so we finagled around and we got her head caught and we let her fight the head gate for a couple hours for we a dead calf out of her. But... Well, that's how the old triple five cow got her name for it, cow. It's when she was a heifer. They had to pull her calf and she was in the barn. And like every time that she'd walk by her, she'd smoke the gates a damn hard. She'd almost knock it off the hinges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she got the pitchfork treatment, and then from there on, and she was a pitchfork cow. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know how many times I'd call Gene and and you know be on a cold or something like that, and like, hey, there's a you know a, a heifer or you know a calf out here that I'm going to drag in. Well, it'd be you know a colt with handful of rides on so you gotta drag out your old uh drag out the sled and throw the calf in the sled and drag him back and you're like well if you don't hear from me in an hour or so you better come looking for me because something bad probably happened you know so just to back up a little bit logan is my brother and we grew up ranching in uh, north of burwell nebraska in the sand hills. In the sand hills. It wasn't the farmer country yet. Nope. Um, fifth generation on that ranch. Grew up. I, you know, I, I honestly don't remember the first time I ever got on a horse. I was just always on one. Um, I don't remember a day that we went to learn how to ride or anything like that. We was just. You kind of just went. Yeah, we was riding since. Boy, I. I don't know how young we were, I guess, but mm-hmm. it was always either on the back of dad's saddle or we'd have a pony or we'd have our own horse or we just grew up doing that. So that when we're talking about these cows, these are all the ranch cows that we've had that, you know, probably should have went to town, but they were still raising calves. So they let us deal with them instead. 
Yeah, and Grappa's famous last words. If he told me we need to sell that cow, he just would politely tell you to just toughen up a little bit. Yeah. You know, unless somebody else had to deal with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funniest is the first calving season that Logan and I went through, he wanted to show me how tough he was. And... You know, he had to flex the muscles. Yeah, yeah, we got to this white cow, and you could tell she's already like, no, you, you're not tugging my calf. And Logan's like, I got this. I'm like, okay. So I sat in the suburban while he went out to tag this calf, and he found some big old fence posts. You could tell the rest. So I have this beautiful girl with me. I'm still trying to impress. And I was just going to show her how tough I was to tag this wild bitch's calf. So I step out of the pickup or the Suburban. And I found it, or I had a digger handle that Chance gave me. It's a hickory digger handle. And I was going to Babe Ruth her to the stars. Well, she come and I cocked her back and I was going to home run her. And she ducked and I dived and I smoked my knee as that. <laughs> hickory digger handle <laughs> oh man i dropped it hurt so bad well here it didn't face her she's still coming so i was laying on the ground i was just, too busy laughing to help yeah just <laughs> overhauling this cow and i still had the calf though so by the time i got the calf tag and the cow was gone i had like a chunk of that digger handle about a foot left it broke. And instead of being the new girlfriend, you know, oh, are you okay? Nope, she's in there laughing her ass off. <laughs> That's we what had, knew. We had quite a few uh, good calving stories from there. We had... Oh, man. This is like, uh, Banner, we had just gotten Banner. Logan had just gotten Banner. And he didn't know a whole lot. He knew how, you know, G and Han, that was about it. And there wasn't a whole lot of woe and... Every time the wind blew, my Armidas would slap him in the neck, and we'd be going the other way in a high rate of speed. <laughs> and it was just one of those things, like, the wind blew wrong. He was scared of it. So you kind of, like, had to be his, you know, you were his confidence. That's it. That's all you were. And we yes. had a cow that she hadn't well, camped yet. To top this story off, the only thing that we roped on him before that was big pissed off shit. I think she roped one, he roped one before. I can't remember. But, but it was, was yeah. Big pissed off what? Cow. Stuff. But anyways, yeah. so we had a cow, 5'10", and yep. she hadn't calved yet, but she had claimed a calf, a cow, or calf, sorry, and Logan had tagged this calf to her. Well, we come back a, a day or two later, and she calved, and she's claiming both of them, and of course, she's not very pleasant, and so Logan's like, okay, well, you rope her, or I'll rope her, and we'll, you know, we'll get this calf, we'll get these calves figured out. I'm like, okay, got it. So, look, I don't remember who were you running Rowdy at the time? No, I had Vicky. Oh, Vicky, yeah. Which she, she was a really nice horse, but she didn't pull anything. She was just an anchor. And so he ropes her, and I heal this cow, and which is all fine and dandy until Logan gets down to get this calf. No, I went to tie her down. Oh, yeah, you went down to tie her down. And I'm, I was sitting here, me and Banner, you know, I'm like, oh, Banner's doing pretty good. And she gets up and she's mad and she comes running after him and my rope goes zing on my horn. <laughs> and Banner's like, nope. And he turns around and we are like taking off like, you know, Indianapolis 500 the other way. And all I can see is every single my, my coils keeps popping and I'm like trying to slow it down and get another dally. Nope, nothing is happening. And all of a sudden I'm to the end, I'm like, I don't got it. I'm like screaming out loud. I don't got it. I don't got it. And he's over there like hoping and praying that maybe we'd stop at some point. Nope. 
All I know is oh, I've done that on purpose, though. Probably. I was running for my dear little life and long johns and shotgun chaps and every other thing. Uh, and she's bumping me every once in a while. And I just did the old Rex done. I rolled around her. And Caitlin is so worried she's going to get yelled at. And I just thought it's funny. Hell, she never really got me. And it was no big deal. So we went. You went back and got the Suburban, I believe. Yeah. And and another rope. Yeah. Because mine she... was dragging across the prairie. With her. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and roped her again and kind of showed no mercy. And she's just kind of dragging us wherever she wanted. Because, but... again, Logan's horse was an anchor. Yeah, but not a very good one. <laughs> so anyway, we're just dragging along and caitlin goes over to try to throw this of course it's like a 3d old calf he's huge anyway try to throw him in the suburban in the water well yeah it was one of those days that it like rained kind of that really hit and then snowed that heavy so it's like there was water puddles everywhere and that suburban wasn't very low to the ground and i'm just i guess i'm not that strong because like i'm trying to like pick up this sobbing wet calf and like keep <laughs> it into the suburban and i'm sure like people drive past are like wow look at this special girl trying to get that in <laughs> and logan's back there and i was like you, you ready to let her go you ready to let me go let her go yet and she's like no I'm like oh i'm losing her i'm losing her <laughs> so i'm like panicking trying to shove this calf and they're like kneeing in the butt trying to get it in there and turn around he's just sitting there laughing at me the whole time i'm like <laughs> well last this last year she calved again and she had her baby, and we're like, oh, wow, she loves her baby. What was it, the next day? Yep. She went and stole another cow's calf. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how she did it, but she got that cow to take her calf. Uh, and, I mean, that cow was happy as can be. Like, sure, I'll take your calf. That's mine. And, I mean, we were like, you know what? You're both happy. We're going to let it be. <laughs> good trade. Good trade. Until <laughs> so you go out to the pasture, and then you're like, you're, luckily, Grandpa made the tag, and he splotched it really bad. And what did he say? He said, we'll just blame that on Landon. Yep. We'll yeah. say Landon made the tag. So luckily, when you go out to the pasture, you know it's her calf, because you look at the tag, and you're like, oh. But we brought him home, and she must have taught her calf to be just as mean, because it came and tried hooking me. And I'm like, what in the world? You're like a little 400-pound calf. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, you remember that bull that we roped over on James's that when he's coming home from South Pastures? Yeah, on two colds. Oh man, it was a shit show from the moment we left that place and we gathered oh, how big is that place? It's several sections probably. Down south. Yeah. It's right at four thousand acres. Okay. So we got four thousand acres and we got me and you and about 15 gunsels. Yep, all riding back. like they got a... All riding the same horse. Yeah, look like they're 15 abreast team. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to stop you guys because, like, nothing is more fun than going to anything at James's because it uh, always is man. like a train wreck and it's hilarious. Yeah, until you're the one that has to fix all the shit. Well, we, me and Logan are every time we go, and I love it. Like, it's hilarious. Because it's oh, not our cattle. Like, I mean, it's one of those things, like, you get to be the hero. You get to fix things. And it, and it's fun. I love yeah, going You there. definitely have to be the hero. On that 
there, there's like we go down there and i had the old rocky dog in catahoula and that sucker he'd sniff out cows in them cedar trees and i mean it's it's thick brush down there but it's not like southern brush it's cedar tree brush and steep hills and everything and and there's cows that have been down there for years that don't come home and so when i bring my dogs there'd be things like cattle laying like literally laying underneath of cedar trees hiding <laughs> to come home and rocky he'd he'd trail them up and get them out of there and james got more damn cows out of that pasture with old rocky dog than he'd ever had like he ended up having like 50 more cows than he thought he did actually so <laughs> we ended up going through there and like every, we could probably have a whole podcast just on these uh james's deal but oh yeah and we got a bunch too <laughs> caitlin and i oh i'm sure so it's like every time you go down there you bring you bring the most like the freshest horse and the stupidest horse that you have and the toughest and the toughest that you just need to put a lot a lot of miles on and you literally want to kill that horse because if they're not tough you will kill them but anyway so we finally get all these cows trailed back. And then when we get back to the headquarters, we got to sort off these bulls. And so we got most of them sorted off. And like, there, is there one or, yeah, just one, right? Well, you got to pump the brakes. You know, there's, there's a lady there that had her stud horse there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> The sucker is wanting to go all day, and she wouldn't let it go. And all she'd have to do is let it run ten foot, and the fat old dude would tire out. Well, go up and blow out her too. Yeah. Well, you and I sorting bulls off. Not one bull. We kind of had to run it by her, which we just sorting him off. And she got all mad at us. And then it just kind of went downhill, and that bull headed east. Like like a little calf when they decide they're going to go, they're just going to go. Yeah. And. And we're both on like really green colts. Yeah. And so roping this bull is just not real high on my priorities. I know I grabbed uh Jim, the old man, he tossed me a sorting stick as I went by and I'm like running full bore down this gravel road, beating the ever living shit out of this bull, trying to get him to turn back. And like as I'm beating him, he's trying to hook me. And I got his nose all bloodied up and just whopping him with everything that I have. Can't get him to turn around, but I finally got beat in the eyes enough to where he jumped the fence and went up into this next cedar tree bunch. And at this time, I knew you was behind me somewhere, but mm-hmm. I didn't really have any idea where anybody else was at. And I was like, the only way that this bull is stopping is roping him. So I think I roped. I might have roped something else on that horse, but I doubt it. And so they, well, here we go, buddy. We're going to figure out real quick what you can do. And I roped this bull and finally get him stopped. And everybody finally shows up. And uh, old Seth, I think, is one that healed him, maybe. But anyway, so Beef gets down there and is trying to tie this bull up. And I've had about enough. So, uh, old Comanche he's like leaning over in the front and so I start sliding slack and this bull takes off after Logan and I'm laughing my ass off 
And I slide her down to, I mean, I slide it to the freaking knot. <laughs> the bull had every chance to get him, but he was just like one step ahead the whole way. <laughs> it's really amazing how fast Logan can run with something. He yeah, he's like professional football player all of a sudden. <laughs> hey, I got, I always wear my fast shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was pretty, pretty comical. After all that crap, I was so mad. That helped me out a lot. Well, then. <laughs> The one guy showed up that had like this 12 year old horse and he's like, you know, he thinks that he's a buckaroo and like all of this. He's, he's supposed to be this big time cowboy. Well, we load this bull on the trailer with our Colts and this idiot's there with these 12 year old great big paint and don't do anything but just tell us how we roped him in the samber pack. That really pissed me off. And then we get up to the gate, and that sorry son of a gun sat in the drive in the passenger seat and wasn't going to get the gate. No. And I mean, I ripped into him. I was like, you lazy piece of shit. Like we've been out here doing this whole thing. Like the least you can do is get the damn gate and lit into him. And I mean. He was a pastor, so I felt a little bit bad afterwards. But, like, he needed it. Oh, man. It's always fun going. I love going over there. Uh, you're definitely the hero every time you go. It's a blast. Like, I mean, you kind of have to, like, just throw everything aside and realize, like, I mean, there's still stockmanship and stuff with you, but, I mean, everyone else has no idea. So, like, you're basically just, like, on a giant trail ride with some people that, but you are solely in charge yeah. of getting everything done. Well, and even, like, James, I mean, he he knows it's a shit show, so he's just like, hey, you guys take the outside circle and fix everything that happens. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, okay. I mean, there's a reason why he wants you to come is because, he yeah. Wants, yeah, you know, there's a reason why. When you cuss out his dog, he invites you back the next time. I know. <laughs> that same guy, like I said, he was a pastor, so, I mean, it's a little bit hard to chew him out. And I've done it several times. But the funniest time was we was riding drag. Wait, are we talking about the same pastor? No. Oh. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Casey. What the heck was his name? Casey something, rather. Yeah. Anyway, he had this spotted dog. Just a worthless, worthless dog. But we was riding drag, and so I had my dogs behind me, and Brogan had his dogs behind him. And this guy, his damn dogs would go up there and yip, 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 and all the cows would come running back. So, like, you know somebody else what to do, you know, and we just keep on going. And Well, after about the fifth time of this, and me and Brogan's dogs fixing the wreck, the dog goes up there and does it again, and old Brogan rides over there. Are you going to beat that dog or do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> he got all of his dog and we didn't have a problem. <laughs> well, we were going down to what? Summer grass is what we were doing. Nope. And I mean, the whole time it's just hilarious. Cause like you start out and I was, Logan was on banner that time. And I was on the pony, which is just a little POA <laughs> pony, but she was phenomenal. She liked to go fast. Like, if, if anything broke out, if you had a yearling that broke out, I mean, she was on top of it. But you couldn't ask her to go slow or just stand in a gate or anything. She could not handle just being still. But we were riding down, and all the kids were riding with their dog. And, I mean, 
all the sick calves are in the back as I'm like sitting there watching. I'm like, really just, I want to pull the meds out of my saddlebag and start doctoring them. And I'm just like, you know, just itching. And these kids are riding through the middle of these calves and in front of them. And so is the dog. And I'm like, oh, this is bad. Because all I can see is like 50 calves all running back. And somehow they just keep going. They're following these kids on their horses. <laughs> and me and Logan are like, both staring at each other like, you see what's happening? Like, how does this happen? Like, anywhere else, we'd be chasing calves everywhere. You know why? Nope. It's because we say a prayer before we go. Well, yep, that's right. <laughs> so we get going some more, and we're going, and finally a calf breaks back. And Logan and I are in hot pursuit over it. And Logan gets up to it first, because I, I can't remember. Oh, I had to help one of the kids with something. And so Logan gets it roped, and I get down, and which one of the, one of the Wilson kids are there? Oh, Ty. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And Logan throws him his tie string. And Ty's looking at it. And he goes up to this calf and tries to pick up this calf and throw it down. What does that calf weigh? 200 pounds? Maybe. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I walk over and I'm like, here, I got it for you, dude. And I throw the calf down and Logan throws him the, his tie string. And he's staring at it. I finally just hands him. He's like, uh, you do it. But I'm like, got it. <laughs> and me and Logan are like cracking up the whole time. And we get back to the herd and we're going along and we have to go across a hot wire fence. So they just lay it down. You across it. Oh, and Sandy was there too, which makes it even better. Oh, did she have her little Gus dog? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it Gus? Or no, I think Gus died. I think she's got Fergie now. Fergie, yeah. Fergie. Oh. What is it, American? It's a French bulldog. French. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, so we go across this and we go into a bunch of cedar trees and the young, one of the young, that's the youngest girl, isn't it? She's on like some 20 something year old horse and we have a calf break back in the cedar trees and me and Logan are like ducking, diving through the cedar trees trying to get this calf. Well, it's the shit because that's where he burn all them trees, you know? Yeah. They's like stir up high, and so we're blowing through these, and these damn cedar trees are catching my taps. I want to rip my legs off as we're blowing after this calf. But anyway, so we're finally like we kind of get this calf straightened out, and all of a sudden here comes this girl on her horse, and that horse, I mean, she is like, I mean, pulling for all she's got, and this horse is yeah. going home. He's hell bent. <laughs> And I mean, this poor girl, like, she, you could tell she, like, she would rather just bail. Like, she's not sure what to do. And of course, it's, like, flying. And so, like, Logan and I both look at each other, like, oh, well, we're no longer after this calf. We're going to go after this girl. Oh, yeah. get up there. It's, that part's your story, so you might as well tell it. So, we're after this calf. And I mean, we're flat shitting and getting. And I look over, and here comes this girl on a full blown runaway headed home. It's like, well, I guess about time to switch uh, motives and go save a runaway. So go over and try to kind of head her off. Well, this horse is still just running. And you know that hot wire Caitlin was telling you about? Yeah. We're coming up to it. So I'm like doing everything because, I mean, I'm getting outran. Because I, I was riding Banner. And somehow this 20-something-year-old yeah, is outrunning us. Is outrunning everyone. And luckily, I don't know about the grace of God or what, but that girl run over that hot wire and that hot wire come up that horse's back leg high and that sucker just stopped. 
<laughs> oh, really? I yeah, don't know. I mean, like, how. Cocked back. I mean, its back leg was cocked back, just hanging on it. Jeez. And I was trying to figure out what the hell to do. So I was right there, and I didn't want to get off and go up there. Cause of course, I had my Armitas and everything. They were really, you know, floppy. Yeah. So I spit that horse. That Wilson kid went up there and stepped on it. And in spite of all this, you know what happened? We went on a runaway again. Yeah, of course. I mean, just it's like, oh, no shit. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. just boom, back north we go. So Logan looks at me. He's like, I'll get the calf. You get the girl. I'm like, got it. So, like, me and the pony are like, you know, like flying across there. And luckily, we finally get up there. And I mean, I have to like manhandle that horse. I'm like ripping its head around as I'm trying to steer my pony at the same time, trying to get Jeez. it stopped. Finally, I get it stopped and calm down. And, and here comes Sandy with her buggy, like flying over <laughs> everything in the cedar tree. But I'm trying not to laugh because, like, the whole entire thing is just a train wreck. But hilarious. Oh, yeah. Every, the every and, time. Oh, it's great. And Sandy puts it in there, and it's like, whoo. And so we turn back around, and we start going, and me and Logan are going to try it. And Logan looks, is her name Alyssa? Is that her name? So. Looks at Alyssa, and he goes, you want to try it? And she just goes, no. <laughs> so we, we happily walked back to the herd with her. <laughs> and we get back there, and we get down there, and and James had set up a pen to... Down at the cast buildings. To pair out or what? No, yeah. just to drive him in and lock him in there for a day. Yeah, and then they'll pair Oh, you're you know, kidding. You don't have no. to pair him out anymore. No. Huh? Yep, so it's great. So uh. we're all down there, and Cameron's up here on the side where the trees are. And there's, like, another hot fence there for some reason. That nobody knew about. Yeah, no one knew about. So... Like, I don't know what Cameron was doing, but, like, all the cows are going in, except for this one, just, like, walks past Cameron into the trees. Like, he doesn't stop her or anything. He's just like, la, la, la. And I'm like, ugh. So we get them all in, and it's like, okay, let's go after this one. And so she finally comes out of the trees, and here I go on the pony, and here comes Sandy next to me in the buggy. And me and Sandy are both, like, flat flying through the trees. And I'm, like, <laughs> still, like, again, laughing, because I'm like, what are you going to do, Sandy? Like, run it over? Like, what are we yeah. doing? She will, though. That's the weird thing. Yeah, I don't blame her. Oh, one time we were over there. Like, we had to sort cows or something, or pull off cows. And it's like two feet of mud, and she's out there without shoes on, walking through the mud, so she doesn't get her yeah. shoes dirty. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. But so, anyways, so we're going after this, and it's like my pony doesn't have like a whole lot of experience in life, and but she knows how to go fast, and we're going through all the trees, and we get turned around, and she hides in the trees. So everyone, like all fifty people who have no idea what they're looking for, are looking for this cow, and she comes <laughs> out, and I'm like, oh, we're on it. Me and this pony go flying, and there's this huge plum thicket in the middle, and she goes running through it. My pony leaps over the whole entire plum thicket, and I'm, like, grabbing everything I got, trying to make sure I stay with it. Finally, we get across it. There's another hot wire that the pony jumps over, and I turn her around, and we are going for the gate. And I'm like, I don't know how, by the grace of God, we got that cow to turn around to go in the right direction. She We're jumped turning. over the hot wire? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, no. So we get her turned You're around. Kidding. And she has her head in the gate, and here comes James's dog. Okay, her head in the gate, and comes and bites her and sends her back north towards the trees. And I scream at the top of my lungs. What did I say? Oh, dear one, live radio. You well, I'm can't... not going to say the bad oh. word. Somebody call that blankety blank, blank, blank dog off. And all of them kids are standing there, and they probably never heard those words in their life, and they all do the earmuff thing. And oh. I'm like, oh. So Sandy's Oops. guy, who you know, her driver's standing there, and he's hilarious. Ethan's awesome. 
and he's standing there and she's coming flat for him and he puts his hand out and in like the most calm like quiet voice he goes stop and she's still coming after him and he she puts her hand her head against his hand and he's still just telling her stop stop <laughs> i mean she plows into him and he's backing up and hits the hot fence and flips over she flips over on top of him and is smashing him into the ground and i'm like well his pony's never roped anything i'm like do I shove her over the top of him or do I try to rope her? Now she gets up and runs away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And he goes, well, that's not the first time that's happened to me. And I'm like, great, we're great. But the next time we went over to James, we had to pray as usual. And he looks at me, he goes, we're not going to bring the dog this time. And I just laughed. I said, good plan. Yeah. That's a, who was that? Talk, I was talking to Curtis Gurney, I think it was after one of them escapades, and it was definitely an escapade. And and I didn't know it, but apparently his brother's a pastor too. But I was like, "Yep, every time we go there, we have to stop and pray before we go out." I said, "You know what? That biggest shit show. It's a probably a good thing that we do." And poor Curtis just about busted down laughing because like, he was almost to his knees laughing because he knew, like, yeah, yeah, that's why we don't go over there anymore. But yeah, but uh, no one ever gets hurt, and that's probably the reason why. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. And Sandy, okay, so let's explain Sandy for a minute for people that don't know. <laughs> she's like seventy some years old, probably. Is she that old? Do you think? Hell, I don't know, probably. Yeah, I think she's at least that old, but she's like, has no fear. And for some reason, the good Lord protects her because she does the dumbest damn shit that you've ever seen (laughs) and just walks away from it with nothing. Like, so, oh man, we could get talking about Zeke stories too, but (laughs) the one time, so old Zeke, he's, you know, 60s, 70s probably at this time and Sandy is driving him into town Zeke is driving the tractor she's driving the pickup well somewhere in between all this blonde Sandy decides that she forgot about the pickup or the tractor behind her so she's doing pulling with a log chain yeah so she's doing like 60 mile an hour she's just (laughs) headed to town at this point and the tractor is going so goddamn fast that the weights in the track, the water in the wheels, make the tractor start jumping. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Zeke's back there, and he's just laying on the brakes as hard as he can. Sandy, the pickup's starting to look down, so she just starts giving her more gas. <laughs> it's a wonder that Zeke died before he did, just from all that crap, but. One day, I went over, I was working for him, day working, and this bull took off, and she, she'd take in cows, and these were farmer cows, and didn't have any respect for a horse, so this bull just takes off. So I ended up roping the bull, dragging him back up there, and of course, I didn't head him. I was on a colt, so I didn't head him. I just front-footed him. Um, we're headed back to the pen, and I'm on, you know, probably 60-foot rope or whatever it was, and i go back and forth and I got everything herded up there and we're going through the crowds. Well, well, Sandy just decided that we need to take this rope off. So I dally up, stop this bull. She drives up there with a little side by side, grabs the fence and pliers. 
and like walks up to the shoulder of this bull and grabs a Honda and pulls it off and like nothing happened. It's like, what in the hell? Like a normal person would die, but it was just a normal day for her. And it was just a normal occurrence. Every time that I go over there, there'd be something like that that you just wonder how the hell she's still alive. Well, one of the days we were over there and she wanted to show me her brood mares and she has all them barrel racing horses now. Oh, yeah. And so we went out there and again, she's like wearing Crocs or, or like just her socks. I can't remember what it was. But we go out there to look at them and we get out of the side by side. She's like, come out here. And they all come like at a full speed gallop like at us and i'm like stepping over next to the side by side because i'm like i'm not getting ran over by these brood bears and she stands there and they're like splitting the seas around her and i'm like sitting there watching her going oh my gosh we're gonna die she's gonna die and she like just could care less just watching him run around uh, like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah that lady could stand in the middle of a rapid and not give two shits and on the other side we seen her, what, a couple of weeks ago, or we borrowed the trailer or something, and it had a brand new tire on it, and wheel or rim or something, asked Logan, I'm like, what happened? Did Sandy lose a tire? Oh, she's taking cows to the sale barn, had a wheel bearing go out and lost the other one. <laughs> and drove all the way to the sale barn without it. Yeah, that don't surprise me. Yeah. Pretty much in our country, if you see a fire, you just head towards <laughs> Sandy's. Because that's where it's going to be. Very seldom is there a fire anywhere else. Yeah, but you got to respect her because I wish I could be like that. I wish I could just like care less about everything and just be like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous the crap that she gets away with, and there'll be bulls fighting in the middle of a pen, and she'll walk up there and put her put her hand on her shoulder and tell them to knock it off and the bulls just kind of go on about their business <laughs> what the hell I'm like probably thinking like if you're brave enough to do this we don't want to fight you yeah yeah <laughs> probably yeah. oh shoot yeah there's one day she came to pick me up because he used to ride back and forth there's only you know five or six miles down there so i just grab a colt and i'd ride down there and then day work all day and then i'd ride them back well sometimes she'd want to give me a ride back or whatever the deal was so the first time she showed up she had this 24 foot trailer completely full of mineral sacks i mean like two foot high of mineral sacks (laughs) oh this is gonna go great so i throw this cold in there obviously i didn't tie them because like they're either going to die or get over it. And so she takes off, and every time we, we get down to wherever we need to go, you know, this poor sucker's <clears throat> snorting and and thinking he's glad to be alive. And then another time, and she didn't ever take the sacks out. It was just like a common thing. Oh, they still have a trailer full of them, too. Well, that don't surprise me. <laughs> so, so the one day she she drives by the house and lets me out, and just takes off. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, you have my horse. So she goes down like a mile to turn around, and then she's coming back, thankfully. Thankfully, she wasn't heading to Erickson or something. <laughs> Turns around, and I'm like, standing in the middle of the road, and she stops, and she's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, 
you still have my horse in your trailer. Can you let him out? Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Good God, lady. Oh. Uh, it was always stuff like that. Yeah, but she is tough, and, you know, she's one of those people that we could sit there and joke about, but she does a lot for her ranch, and oh, she's yeah. a hard worker. She is. She's... <laughs> She's a very impressive woman from what she's accomplished in her life. Oh, absolutely. From what Logan told me, she used to be like a master writer, like really well-disciplined. Yeah, actually, she got bucked off of a horse when she was still pregnant with Matthew. That's what I blame Matthew's problems on. <laughs> but yeah, she was... She's quite the gal. She's very... Um, uh, intelligent on anything that you want to do. She's very intelligent about what to do and how to do it and how to market it and, and anything she's very, very good at. That's the one thing about this area is there's a lot of older female ranchers that are very, very intelligent and very good at what they do. Cause yep. like Logan, and I always talk about Betty Stout is like, Honestly, if anyone needs an idol, she's an idol. Like, she is one of those people that is just a hard worker and knows how to do anything. Oh, man. Yeah. I always love going day working over there. Betty is just such a... Like you said, she is an idol. She'll go out there and she'll pair out calves and and precondition and do pretty much anything that you want a man to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, noon comes around and... She's got burgers and pies and like oh like this whole smorgasbord of like the best food that you can ask for. And, and the best. She's one of those that like if there is a branding or something, it's like you do not miss Betty's food because she is phenomenal. Not oh. that's like you watch her ride and you watch her do work, it's like I mean, she is one of those people that's like, wow, there's a lot you can learn from and she is as humble as they come. Oh yeah. You know all them stouts are though. That they're just they're very good at what they do, but if you've never seen them in the saddle, you never believe, you know, like, if you were sitting in a bar, you know, Butch, you sitting over there, and Matt, old Butch, he, he's a hell of a hand. You're like, that old crippled bastard? And like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you haven't seen him on a horse either, so. Butch, you just broke his hip a couple weeks ago. What? Really? Yeah, he's at the sale barn and got off his horse, and the cow come to uh, hook his horse or something and run him up against the fence. Really? Hmm. Huh. Did he crippled leg or different his other side? Yeah, I don't know. No. Hopefully. That's hard when they get older like that to recover, too. Yeah. That is one thing about Nebraska, though. It's like, that's why I told Logan, it's like, I never would have thought there are so many good stockman in nebraska like growing up like the only thing i knew about nebraska was you know i-80 and it was cornfields everything was flat and cornfields right and i was like there's no way there's cowboys in nebraska (laughs) and i moved over to gordon that shadron area and it's like i moved there and i'm like this is nebraska there's no way like it's beautiful there's hills and and the sand hills like i've met more people who can ride who are good with stock than like i have in a lot of the states. 
Oh, yeah. It, and, you know, every place that I've been, you know, you say you're from Nebraska, and always, just like when we started, from the Sand Hills. You know, you got to make sure to tell them that you're from the Sand Hills. Damn right. Because, yeah, I mean, eastern Nebraska is just western Iowa. Yep. Well, yeah, it's, it's farm country, and that's all it is. That's all I ever thought of it here was that's just all it was was farm country. Yep. But I'll tell you, it's like I can, there is nothing better than when you have a colt that's fresh and you go find a big old blowout to run them up. Oh man, it's like they're pretty tired by the time you get to the top. Oh yeah. Well, you know how many times has Haythorns won the the WRCA deal and. Most of them guys, they're from the sand hills around there. They're not, you know, imports or whatever you want to talk about. But you get to the sand hills, and there's really, you know, there's the buckaroo influence, sure, and there's the cowpuncher influence. But they kind of just turn up on both of them. Be like, you know what? I'm going to tie on on sixty foot. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and they're uh. very proficient at both. And they'll ride with guys. You know, we went out to, uh, oh, Lynn Myers, Brandon. And there's a guy out there that he had slick corn. He had a buck stitch head stall. And I don't remember what bit he was riding. I don't, um, kind of a southern style bit. He had Arizona bells on, a denim jacket, and 60 foot of rope. And a horn knot tied onto the back of his saddle. And he's probably one of the handier guys that I've ever met. That Levi guy? Yeah, Levi. I don't know no. what his last name is. I either. can't remember either. Well, yeah, Nebraska to me is like a melting pot. Like it you, is. Yeah. Which is great. It's like you learn a lot more that way and you see a lot more things and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like growing up, it's like we were very traditional. It's like everything was buckaroo. Everything was, you know, the way you did it. And so once you started traveling, you never knew there was other options. Yeah. You know, I used to wear a flat hat when I was in Oklahoma, and that was mostly just to piss the Okies off. <laughs> but, And I, I still like a good flat hat. I think it looked cool. But the more, the more people I'm around with flat hats and stuff, the more that I don't do it now, just because of a lot of people wear a flat hat and think they're really freaking handy and they're not well yeah anymore it's like i remember when maybe it was western horsemen or it was something that like came out with a fashion they always have their like fall fashion or whatever and it was all about being a buckaroo and all i could think is you know dressing a certain way or being a cowboy or doing this so being a buckaroo or a puncher it's not a fashion statement it's like we all dress like old men and it's like so <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter it's like it's pretty much the same thing and and that's what it became, and it was really unfortunate in, in both ways. It, it's good because, like, it made it accessible for a lot of people to be able to buy those type of things. But at the same time, it, like, became, like, oh, well, you know, I'm a buckaroo because I bought the hat or because I bought this Wade saddle, but I don't actually know what it means or the lifestyle that it actually is. Yeah. Yep. And now it's on to punchers. That's what it is now. It's like everyone wants to be punchy, and it's like, why can't we just be ourselves? Like, just be yeah. happy with who you are. Well, and I blame a lot of that on Dale Brisby because, you know, I used to make, oh, man, I'd make a pile of shotguns and armitas, and, and I still do make a lot of them, but then 
anymore, it's getting more and more and more to the Arizona Bells. And I think a lot of that is just the Dale Brisby thing. And people want to be punchy and be like Dale Brisby, and, which is fine. But I just, I, I think people need to start getting more um, with their country. And, you know, like the Buck Renwin thing took off. And that's where the whole buckaroo, like you'd see Wade Saddles in southern Texas. And stuff like that, well, that's great, but stick with, you know, if you want to be a buckaroo, then be a buckaroo. If you want to be a puncher, be a puncher. But in, you know, even even Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, a lot of Montana, even North Dakota, there's really not a this is a buckaroo way and this is the puncher way. It's kind of, like you said, a melting pot. Yeah. Yeah. But now anymore, it's like it, all it is to me is like a, all of it is fashion statements. Like you see so many people buy the gear and, and then they like, you know, scoff at others. Cause it's like, Oh, well you think you're a buckaroo, but your spade bit isn't, you know, oh, yeah. you don't have this. And it's like, you know what? It's like, who cares? Like, and, and like a lot of the most handy people I know and have known in my life rode with the most simple things and didn't dress fancy, you know, and it, and that you don't judge people by their clothes. You judge them by their ability. Cowboy in a oh, continental yeah. suit. Well, shoot, like, I, I you know, I'll, I'll talk to somebody and they're like, well, I'm looking for a saddle. So I'll send them like a picture of full floral saddle. Oh, gosh, I don't need all that floral. That's, you know, that's for them buckaroos and like talk it down and talk it down i'm like all right man if you don't like it that's fine i can do a rough out but if i just show you a rough out you wouldn't know what i can do and they'll just they'll just drag it down it's like all right so you tie on a 20 foot that's cool i can do that too can you pack 60 in a slick horn no that's too much rope okay well don't talk it down then if you don't know if you've never done it, if you're not proficient at it, how the hell can you talk shit on it? Yep, that's that's how I tell Logan all the time when I try to get him to eat vegetables. <laughs> hey, you don't get big and strong eating vegetables. <laughs> but no, that's exactly right. It's like we and in the cowboy culture, it's like it seems more now than ever. I don't remember ever growing up and seeing people be like, oh, well, you don't wear what I wear, so you're not cool. You can't be in the cool kids' club. Yep. It was like, oh, you got a horse? Let's talk about it. You know, it's like, yeah. you raise cows? Let's talk about those uterine prolapse. Great. You know, it's yeah. those things. It's like, now it's like, well, you know, you don't have this. And I think it makes it really hard for anyone to join into it or anything because it's like these new kids that want to do it who probably would work harder than a lot of you know, the people who've been in it for a while, they don't get a place to start because they don't have the right tack. They don't have the right look. So people already look down at them. They're like, well, you don't have this. So why would you want to be part of it? Right. Instead of being like, you know, if you want to learn, we'll teach you. Well, there's a, there's a kid that was, uh, he got on the chaps and chink forum here. And he's like, well, I'm looking for a pair of bells or shotguns and for like $75 and obviously that's not going to get you anything you know but all these so-called professional shop makers 
just lit into this kid and was like, well, a hide costs $150. Why the hell did you think that you could get one for $75? And, and like ripping this kid apart. So I messaged his mom. I didn't know it was his mom. I just seen that she had something posted on his wall. I was like, hey, I'm looking to see what this kid's about. Like if he's a good kid, whatever. And and she messaged me back. and Yeah, he's 13. You know, he's working. He's trying to get into it. And she's like, I told him that, you know, $75 wasn't going to get him anything. And he needs a cowboy more before he can justify a good set of shafts, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know what? It's like everybody was such assholes to that kid. He's never going to want to order anything custom again just for that simple reason. I said, I tell you what. He's got 75 bucks. If he worked, like, I don't want your money. I want him to work until he can get 150 bucks and I'll donate my time. And I will send that kid a pair of shafts. And it's shit like that that people are just, oh, he, he's a puncher, so he's not from here or whatever. I'm down because he's not doing the same thing or vice versa. Like, instead of being an asshole, why not help them kids out? Well, yeah, that's what it used to be about. It's like anyone who wanted to be part, like if you're willing to learn, like, great, let's help you. And it's like, you know, the kids that there's so many kids that are born on a ranch, right? And they don't do anything to help with it. They, you know, but they go around saying they're a rancher and these poor kids that like have no way of getting into it and are trying their hardest to be part. They don't want a piece of it. They just want to learn how. And it's yeah. like, we're like closing them out. I can't tell you how many times I... Like, uh, what is that, like, Big Loops and Slick Horns or one of them Facebook deals. Oh, yeah. And, and people are like, these kids that know nothing are like, well, what do I treat my cotton rope with? And all these guys go off making fun of them. It's like, they don't know. Like, you can't just sit there and be mean to them. Just because you think you know everything doesn't mean you need to be mean to this poor kid. It's like, teach them. Like, that's why we're here. Like, anytime you can help pass on the knowledge that you learn... It's like, that's great. Like, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have people help me out. Exactly. And and those guys that are making fun of them, they're calling them gunsels and stuff. Like, they were gunsels, too, at one time. I don't care where you came from. Like, well, exactly. Logan, you know, Logan and I, we're fifth-generation ranchers. But I was on, you know, I was dallying on rubber until I was shit in high school, at least. You know, we yeah. had to learn how to do this stuff. It's not like, oh, yeah, this is, we grew up on this ranch and we knew everything. No, it was like we grew up and we knew how to ride horses and stuff, but the stockmanship and the horsemanship, and all that stuff, that came later. Well, exactly. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like when you're a kid, you're going to do silly things anyways. Like I remember I always wanted to wear a mine 22 on my hip all the time, even when I went to town because... Then I was a real cowboy. You know, it's like, no, like, I mean, we're as kids, we do silly things. And it's like, and not only that, like, we have to figure out what's comfortable for us. It's like, it doesn't matter if you grow up in buckaroo country or puncher country. It's like, I, you may grow up in buckaroo country and be like, you know what? Maybe this long rope isn't for me. Maybe I'd rather ride with a short rope and tie on. It's like, and, but then you get criticized for that too. And it's like, why do we have to criticize everyone for everything? It's like, I think we're also worried that someone's going to be, cooler than us that we have to look down at them and say well you're not good enough yeah you ever seen happy gilmore yeah green jacket gold jacket who gives a block <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, pretty much. It, I, I know there's... It, and this is a lot of the reason I'm doing the podcast is to encourage people that want to get into it. And there's this myth that it's all gate kept. And, you know, if you didn't grow up in it, then there's no way that you can do it. But there really is. Like, if you want to get into it, there's a lot of ways to get into it. But you have to want to do it. Well, like yes, you, can't, you can't go into somewhere and thinking that you know everything and, well, you know, this is what Dale Brisby does or seen this on YouTube or whatever. Like, well, that's cool. But in this country, this is what we do. So pay attention. Well, exactly. And it's like you have to be willing to learn. But at the same time, I can see it both ways because, like, it is hard to get into it if you are not part and especially if you don't know because like how many times do you see ads for oh we're looking for to hire someone on but you have to have experience it's like well there's kids that are probably just as willing as any of us to do all that you just have to take a little bit more time to train them and then when you do train them and they're so eager to learn they'll probably be a better employee than most people that don't really care well and it's it's really hard for people that don't have any experience to get into the actual ranch side of things like well a mom and pop deal yeah it's really hard because you're a liability at that point if if they can't trust you to go feed cows and figure out how to chain up a tire just to limp at home or you get in a wreck or whatever and you can't take care of yourself you're a liability at that point but you can always hire on a feedlot there's eyes everywhere if you screw up they're going to be able to help you out whatever even if you don't have any horses, you don't have a horse trailer or anything like that, you can get on a feedlot, work, you know, even like a processing crew. You're still around the cowboys. Get to know them guys. And after a while, you're going to be able to, you know, borrow a horse or borrow a saddle and go pen ride with them a day or two a week. And then that just keeps on growing. Like, there's ways to do it, but you have to be able to work. You have to want to do it. Well, you're not going to start out on top. You're not going to start out making four grand a month. You'd be damn lucky to make fifteen hundred a month just starting out. Like it's not a very profitable lifestyle, but if you well, want to no. do it, you can. And that's exactly right. It's like it's not. I mean, you do it because you love it. You don't do it to make get rich or be famous. Well, I mean, some people think they're going to be famous, but you and it's it's a very demanding, hard job. So it's like, if you are getting into it for the wrong reason, you're going to wash out. And that's the thing. It's like them kids that are getting into it for the right reasons because it's something that truly interests them and they want to learn. It's like, we all need to take our time. It's like, yeah, we may not know very much, but Logan and I always, like when we go to brandings and we see people who are new or that are really trying, like we take our time to make sure to say, you know, like, here, let me help you or, you know, talk to them and try to let them feel included. It's like, we're always, there's a couple of kids around here that are just starting out and we're always like, we're going to go do this. Do you want to come with, you know, like just yeah. anything we can do to help them see that there's, you know, there's people that see it, you know, like we see that you want to work. We, and I mean, we were all there at one point, even kids who grew up on a ranch, like you still have to prove that you can, you know, are eager yeah, exactly. and we were all a liability. I mean, technically we're still all liabilities. Like we still get in accidents and I don't care who you are. Every job I go to is different. Yeah. And you have to be able to adapt and realize that like, just because you've done it for so many years or you think, you know, something I can go from one job to the next and it will be completely different because the way they do it is different than the last people. Yeah. 
And the biggest thing that I see that just grinds everyone's gears is say you you come to Montana from Texas and you're working on an outfit and you're you're green anyway, but then you get in there and you're like, Wow, this is how we did it in Texas. Well nobody gives a shit. Go back to Texas if you want to do it like that. This is how we do it here. Point your ears, figure it out. Like if you did it like that in Texas, that's awesome. But that's not how we do it here. This is how we do it. If you want to do it like that, fucking go back to Texas. Sorry. Go back to Texas. Do it the way that you want to. Or point your ears and figure it out how it's done here. But you can't go to the new country and talk about how you did it in your country or how your old man did it or your grandpa did it or whatever until you have some ground to stand on and they're actually asking you like, well, what do you think? Then you can say something. But until that time, you are just there, uh, just there for work. I mean, they don't care what your opinion is. This is how we do it. This is how it's going to go. If you've been there long enough, yeah, they might start asking your opinion, but like nobody cares how you done it back home. Well, yeah, it's, you have to earn that respect, and that is part of working on a ranch. It's like, yeah, maybe the first year they're gonna say this is how we do it, and then like once you gain that respect and they you gain their trust, then then they start opening up and say, well, do you see anything we can change? You know, it's like I'm very yeah. fortunate with the job I have now that my boss is very good about when anything's is going on like even the smallest day-to-day details he's like well how would you do it you know and it's like but i i showed him through everything it's like every time he asked me to do something whether it be something that i've never done in my life or maybe it's not something i don't really like to do it's like i don't want a mechanic but it has to be done and that's something that like people don't i mean they they glorify the horse part of the ranching deal. It's like, oh yeah, you know, it's like horseback this that, and the other. But the truth is, like everything else has to be done too. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're they're the cattle has to be fed, which means if the cattle has to be fed, if you don't have a team, you're feeding with a tractor or something, you know, or a pickup, well, they gotta be worked on. So it's like if you just feed and then say, Well, someone else can fix it, it's like, are you to me, it's like you're not truly a rancher because that is still your livelihood. That is how you are going to feed them animals that pay your bills. Right. And so it drives me nuts when I hear people say, like, well, I don't do that or I don't do this or that's what farmers do. It's like, no, like that is what feeds your stock. That is what takes care of everything. And like I said, I'm like, I'm really grateful that my employer, he is my boss. He's great because it's like, because I was able, when I first started working for him, I was like, I don't know how to do these things. Like, I'm like, I can take care of your cattle, but as far as anything else, I have no idea what's going on. So I'm like, so you're going to have to work with me, and I'd be happy to work with you. And every time he asked me to do something, instead of going, you know, I don't want to do that, I said, sure. I don't know how, but show me how, and I'd love to learn. Yeah. And so I did. And now he's like, every time that something comes up or the cattle work, he's always asked me, what would you do? How would you do this? Yep. Well, and that's, I kind of got into an argument about that with a guy was, we was talking about being handy. And I think a lot of people think that being handy is being able, you know, being ropey and being a good horseman. Which that is handy. But if you're looking for a job, being handy is not just roping 
and being horseback. That's building fence. That's uh, building corrals. That's you know putting the prolapse back in. That's digging out the tractor that's stuck or fixing the windmill or you know putting the windmill in or there's just a thousand little things that make you actually handy where you are a you know you're good for my team and you're you're worth paying to have around well yeah that's like talking about being handy tyler sweat always used to say one of the events in uh ranch rodeo because it isn't ranch rodeo is you know put leathers in a windmill or pack a wheel bearing or something yeah because you know i mean who wants to go to ranch rodeo and pack a wheel bearing but it is a ranch rodeo and there's more to ranch sitting on the back of a horse there is and and if you want to get a good job somewhere you know it's not just sitting on the back of your horse and driving cows around like there are places that do that and if you want to do that you know arizona new mexico uh that sort of country you probably can but you're gonna get you know thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month and that's fine but all you're doing is riding around horses well that's great and i would love to do that but for me to be able to call somebody handy they have to be a benefit to me to be able to hire them and welding, putting leathers in, putting tanks in, building fence, building corrals, knowing how to build corrals so they're actually slow. Like they're just a thousand things that make so much of a difference on. If you come to me and I'm looking for a hired man, and yo, yeah, I can weld, I can do this, I can do that, and I can build corrals, and blah, blah, blah. Or you can hire a guy that can start a cult. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But that's not what I'm looking for right now. Well, two things is you got to hire somebody or them guys, you know, that all they want to do is be a horseback. Great. But the sad truth about it, most of them guys that only want to be horseback they can't do anything horseback. They're just kind of out there on a joyride. Yeah. Or they just start colts. To me, it's always interesting because you always hear people say handy. And it's always funny because you always go see someone who's handy. It's like, well, to them, it's like a team roper, right? They can rope something. But a lot of them, I'd watch and you go, well, can you identify a sick calf? And they couldn't even tell you half the sicknesses. Or if they seen it, they wouldn't even tell you how to doctor it or how you would treat half of them. Exactly. There's there's a huge difference between being ropey and being handy. Well, and it's so misleading because that's what people think of. Oh, being handy means that yeah, you can throw a fast loop and catch something. But it's like, yeah, what is handy? And like, we all have a different definition of it. But it's like to me, handy is someone who can do everything, who is right. all around, who is a stockman. And that's why it's like I would rather be called a stockman for the rest of my life than be handy because a stockman means that. I actually tend to my cattle and can do anything to help them. Yeah. Whether it, yeah, whether it be putting in a tank or climbing up windmills, which I mean, I am definitely terrified of heights, and I still climb windmills and service them. And that's yeah. the thing: like, you can't sit there and say I'm not going to do that because that's so and so's job, or I didn't hire on for that. It's like it didn't matter. It's like people don't. I had a long conversation with my boss about it one day. It's like people get hired on 
and they don't think of it as it's like you know the, their ranch like they they work it's just their job right so like you get hired on you say well that's not my job my job is just to ride and it's like well you know most ranches are looking for someone who gets hired on thinks of it as their place right because if you yeah. think of it as your place you're going to take care of it you're going to oh, do yeah. everything that needs to be done for it but that's what they, I don't get is like if you were to own the place on your own or you know own the place or do anything like you're just going to ignore the windmills. You're just going to ignore the fence. Like, yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. That's where the old saying, riding for the brand, comes around. Well, and just the whole, you know, the term being a cowboy. <laughs> that came from, you know, bringing cows up from Texas Trail and, and, and all that stuff. So, a cowboy was a, actually a very the, uh, derogatory name back in the day uh because that's what they did they drove cows and then they came into town and they raised hell and, and everything else well so you want to be a cowboy a cowboy has more than you know back in the day yeah you was horseback and camping and all that stuff nowadays if you want to be a cowboy you have to be able to um, do a lot more than just ride a horse around because there's a lot of people that can ride a horse, but being a good hand, being a good cowboy, there's a lot more that goes into that than what people think. And a lot of it isn't even what you do. It's what people see you as. So being a good cowboy or a good hand and you go, if you're in public and you're, you're cussing like a sailor and, and just being, ignorant that to me is not a cowboy that's not respectable i think a cowboy or a good hand i think they're a very respectable person and i think that has gotten lost a lot in the last few years well i have two things to uh say to that i suppose the only people on here that know is Caitlin, me and you, but we uh, lease some ground, do it, you know, taking summer pasture cattle and everything, run our own cows and take care of a bunch of ground for my granddad. Caitlin's got a full-time job for a cow man, or she's a cow man for the place. And we both do all this. And then I day work, which a lot of the time, you know, I'm horseback, but there's a lot of time I'm building fence or whatever, which that's what he said, being handy is whatever. But I mean, especially in the sand hills where we are, you got to be able to do pretty much everything. And, you know, just, I mean, day work and ranching, you know, kind of, but just like being a rancher, you got to be able to, you know, work on equipment, do the maintenance, do windmills, all that. You got to be able, be able to do everything, not just plod around on your damn horse. So yeah. and I watched uh, the Casey Tibbs documentary about, it's called Floating Horses. Have you watched that, Corey? I don't know, the floating horses. I watched the one where they, they gather everything and take them to, across the river. Yeah, we watched that last night. Yeah, Born to Buck. Well, Floating Horses is about like his life and stuff. And it was okay. really interesting to watch, but 
at the beginning, you know, they talk about like, I'm, I'm sure most people are familiar with Casey Tibbs story, but like how his dad didn't want him to be a rodeo cowboy because when you go to town as a cowboy, that's a bad name, right? Like cowboys are lewd and they do things that they're not supposed to. And, and it's funny because it's like, we've gone away from that for a while that it was like growing up. I remember cowboy was a term that meant like you would help others. Like you were good with God. Like you, you were good with kids. You didn't cuss around people. Like you did everything you could to help. And it seems, I totally agree with you. It seems like it's totally turned around. And it's something that I've noticed with females and it drives me nuts. It's like, so we sit here and I, I always hear it's like, Oh, it's really hard being a female in this profession. And I, I kind of chuckle to myself because I'm like, yes and no. Like there is, there is parts of it that, you know, you're going to go places and men aren't going to think you can do things, but we're doing it to ourselves. Like we're pushing ourselves out of the game because I have noticed more than now than ever. It's like, we are so worried about being punchy or being, you know, a certain way that like I see female go into it and they go to like a branding or something and they show up and they think they're better than everyone. They go and they try to prove something. And so they're like really pushy and like over the top. And it's like, just take a step back, like calm down, like be, be quiet. It's like the, the less you do, like showing off the better because like then it proves him it's like oh well she's actually here to work like she's not here to boist about stuff i remember one time i went to a branding in wyoming douglas wyoming is where i went and some friends invited me and i was really excited to go and i went there and it was beautiful and i show up and there the the gentleman who owned the ranch he was probably 80 something years old and he just looks at me and he stares at me for a while and he goes i suppose you're gonna help and I said, yes, sir. And I was quiet the whole entire day. And at the very beginning of the day, he was very rude to me. Like he just, you know, would say rude things and, and just, but I stayed quiet the whole time. I did everything he told me to do. You know, it's like, I never argued with him. I never said, no, I would do it this way or let me prove to you. And by the end of the day, he opened up and he had a huge conversation. You know what he told me? He says, I normally don't like working with girls because every girl that I've ever had come here had to prove to me that they were better than all the men. Oh and yeah. I don't need this. He's like, I need someone who's going to work side by side and not have to voice about how good they are yeah. or how much better they can do something. It's like, we're not here to prove that we're better than men. We're here to work side by side. Well, and that's a, that's a huge thing for me too, is, is <laughs> just like you said, there, there's definitely females that get into the deal and they have to prove how good they are. And then there are the girls that are just flat out handy. And I know a lot of girls that are just flat out handy. They don't have to tell me how good they are. And I guarantee you, any guy that I've ever met that has told me how good they are, they get on the back burner real quick because yep. they're worthless. If you have to tell me how handy you are, you're not handy at all. Yep. We we went to Brandon, and this girl showed up. And it was, you know, in Monty Walls, for shorty goes rolling up to the hitching post and says, can you do that? And Monty and Chet roll up, and they go, yep, we did that. Just same as you. We both got off our horse. Yep. Well, she's going all like that, and it's like, cool, you can lope in a Brandon pin and rope something and spin around and haul ass. Great. Oh, is that Conrad's? Yeah. Oh. It's like, great. I mean, cool, you can lope and 
we'd get our asses chewed from a grapple if we did that. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, this Just... girl chewed my butt at one point because so we had some calves get out and Logan and I went to the other side, you know, I had to open up the gate and go through. And Logan was on a cult. And a big son of a bitch. Okay. But Logan was on a cult. <laughs> and I mean there is a boy code, whether anyone says it or not. Like and growing up, like if someone was on a cult, you wait till they step on before you leave. Because nothing is worse than trying to get back on a cult that is worried about everyone else and you know. And so I was standing there waiting for him to get on because growing up, if I were to ride off, I would have got my butt chewed. Like it would have been like, what if that person were to get hurt? You know, I mean, there is a code. And yeah. so I was waiting on him and she came over and chewed my butt about it and said, you need to get over there and get them calves in. And I just looked at her and said, he is on a cult and I will wait until he steps on. Yeah. And it's one of those things like, I don't have any problem saying like, hey, you know, this is how it is. But it's like, but don't go somewhere that you think you're better than everyone. It's like, and not only that, it's like, I've learned being a female, if you are quiet and just do what people say, you are a lot more accepted. And then like the next time you come around, like they are a lot more open with you. And it's like, I, the more you do that, like even here, it's like, I go to, we go to brandings and it's like, everyone's like, oh, have Caitlin come. Oh, do this. You know, it's like, because instead of going there and showing what I can do, I do whatever they ask me to do. Well, and I think, you know, I think a lot of brandings and stuff that uh, there'd be a female there and they'd be like, well, she can give shots. Oh, yep. And I, th- yep. I, think, I think there's a lot of people that are offended by that. But what they don't understand is, well, my grandpa, for one, um, when I was still married, he could, you know, it didn't matter if, if he had to take a wheelchair to get a gate, he would do it before he would let a female go get the gate for him. You know, sure. and people take a, offense to that, that the girl's there and, oh, geez, they just put me on the, on the syringe line or whatever. But they don't understand the, you know, how the system is how you know the older generation um and if you was brought up right the newer generation is too is like you shouldn't have to give gate and you shouldn't have to get a door and you shouldn't have to wrestle calves and that's just part of it and some people take offense to that but really you should be thanking those people for that because it's not just being able to to give shots and be in there that's a big step for them older guys well absolutely and and i i kind of i'm one of those i don't like giving shots like if it's something that has to be doctored i like doing that and i don't i don't like vaccinating and a lot of times like if i am vaccinating i have no problem doing it if they ask me to do it i'll do it but a lot of times if i see a younger kid that wants to learn i'd be i most time will grab one and take them with me and show them how to do it and once they're comfortable i let them do it and i'll go wrestle because yeah. I have no problem doing that, but I'd like to teach him. But I do definitely agree with you. It's like I went to a couple or a few brandings growing up, and it was every single year. It was tradition. You went there. If you were a female, you were not in the branding pen. You yep. went inside, and you helped with dinner. And that was yep. just how it was. And it's yep. like and you never complained because that was tradition. And I can't remember how many times I heard people say, well, that's just wrong. Like, women shouldn't have to be pushed inside. And it's like, 
there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it is still a job that has to be done. People need to be fed. Yeah. And only that's like, yeah. everyone needs to learn how to cook. Like, I don't care who you are. It's like, <laughs> My son, who is eight, I'm teaching him how to cook because I don't want him to grow up and when he's, you know, an adult, be like, I don't even know how to cook anything, so I'm going to have to go buy everything. Yeah. I mean, every job on a ranch is important. It's like we categorize things but, that are more important than others. Yeah. But the the whole, you know, you, you get put on the the giving shots thing and, and girls get offended by it because they think that, well, I'm not as good as a guy, so I have to do this. That's not the case at all. It's it, it's the um, courtesy, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But especially the older generation, like that's you shouldn't be wrestling calves, and if you are, like. I don't know. It's just very hard for them to do. I had my grandpa, toughest sucker that I've ever known in my life. I'm pretty he sure that'd be our grandpa. Yeah, our grandpa. Are you going to brawl now? Yeah, yeah. So our grandpa, he's 84 years old, and we's preconditioning calves, and we's going to grab this bull out of the back pen, and I ran him in there, and Grandpa sits in the back corner because them damn Angus bulls are just nothing worse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I have Grandpa there, and then I have this other guy. He's like 60. He was working for me. And then I had my ex-wife there. And I run this bull in the pen. He runs down the corner past Blue, the 60-year-old guy, and then up towards my grandpa's like I said 84 and he starts shaking his head so I come running down there and I and I get this bowl and I bait him and we we go back to the other pen well so I try to tell him and this other old gentleman that like he's kind of on the fight like just let me deal with it you guys get your asses out of here well yeah well you're not gonna tell an 84 year old man what to do in his own corrals. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Especially yep. my blood. So, anyway, so I was like, you know, whatever. So I run this bull back down there. And mind you, this is a bull that was halter led into the trailer as my brother bought him. And so I was like, I wasn't too worried about it. But, you know, hot cows, they tend to make people do stupid things or bulls. So, I go in there and and let this bull in the pen. He runs right down the corner and Blue jumps the fence. And then Grandpa, you know, he gets two rails up thinking he's pretty safe. This bull starts shaking his head and I grab a panel rod and I come running. But by the time I got there, he'd hit him in the butt and just, just threw him like a rag doll. And he landed in the pile. By the time I got there, the bull was on top of Grandpa and I was beating him over the head with this panel rod, like bent this thing into a U. Get this bull out of there. Grandpa lost his dentures. I thought I killed him. Sure as hell <laughs> I killed him. And and I was like, oh my God. So I get the gate shut, come running back over there and Grandpa, you know, he's, I just can't move quite as fast as I thought I could, you know, and I was like, 
yeah, that's what I told you. But anyway, so we get these dancers, get them back in, and and oh, I said, I said, everybody get out of the pen, just not to single out them two. It's like everybody get out of the pen. So he goes over and he grabs a, the damn trailer gate from my ex-wife <laughs> because a, a woman shouldn't have to hang on to that. You know, he just got rolled by a bull, but he should. He should be the one hanging on to it, not her. So anyway, get the bull, get him loaded up, get the trailer door shut and everything. And and uh, I, I tell him, he's like, and it was hot that day, like dirty hot. Give him a water jug. Hell, he can't even pick up the water jug without hurting himself. And it's like, go into the house, sit, in the, sit under the fan, cool off, you know, and and I, I took the cows out by myself and headed them back out there. And it was like maybe a quarter mile back out. By the time I got there, that old fart's out there fixing fence. And, it, you know, these damn Angus bulls, they're tearing down fences and shit. I was like, Jesus. If, if I'm ever a quarter as tough as that guy, I'll be doing good. Hey, Corey, remember when Dad and him had to go hug up that trailer? Oh, I guess I don't. Oh, okay. Which trailer? His trailer, remember, and it has come back two inches and three foot later. And... Oh, <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was always a deal down there. That he, he was such a hard-headed man that you couldn't ever help him. No matter how hard you tried, but... Yeah, just a little bit. Just just come back an inch and about five inches later and slam into something. No, let's get out and let me do it. Oh, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can hook up my own son of a bitch and trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Logan had one of those experiences today. So, <laughs> okay, I got to touch on a subject real fast. I think it's really important. Um. He's talking about like, the cowboy code and everything, you know? Yeah. Pretty much for all you young people and whippersnappers coming up, Yellowstone's a good TV show to watch in your house late at night. That is not the way cowboys are. No. No. So watch it, enjoy it in the house, but do not act like it because the real cowboys probably want to beat you. Okay, are head. you trying to avoid the subject of what you did today? No, I just, I've been, that's been burning, it's been burning to say. So, so the silver pickup had a flat because some little kid uh, slashed my tire on it when I went and bought a trampoline from some sketchy people. For not much money, yeah, they so, probably needed drugs. Yeah, so I got it patched and it was kind of like near the sidewall. Well, it, the patch gave up, so I had a recap for my spare so we had to put it on it and i'm like well we were supposed to haul the cows home and i'm like well i don't think it's a really good idea to put you know a bunch of weight on that tire and so we had to switch trailers around so i'd haul the horses down and logan would haul the cows in the dually and so we go to switch the trailers around and i back up underneath the trailer i need to and it's just great all of a sudden i hear bang real loud i turn around logan hits the (laughs) the gooseneck of it and doesn't even go underneath and knocks it off the block (laughs) Oh, jeez. Like, I'm like, Logan, you're supposed to go underneath those things. 
I was thinking, well, Caitlin, dear, you're supposed to jack it up farther. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens to everyone. <laughs> Classic miscommunication. Yeah, I should have just raced them, and we should have, like, made a bet on whoever got done first could have got... Yeah. Um, Speaking of communication, so is there, like, we started this whole podcast on cowboy couples. We haven't really touched on it a whole whole lot no we're big bullshitters yeah (laughs) like what's some things that have been a challenge for you honestly for me and logan yeah i you know i think it sounds silly and i don't know but like for logan and i like we haven't had a whole lot of challenges together the only challenge we've had is our exes and People who don't really know Logan, like, he has... We both have terrible exes. So, like, going through what we've had to go through was, like, we've gone through more in the few years that we've been together than most people ever go through in their whole entire relationship. Yeah. And so that was the hardest. It's like, if all Logan and I had to do was just cowboy together, like, I don't think we would ever have a single argument in our life. You sweet, sweet people. (laughs) Other than he's pretty smelly, so. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing that people that don't know. Logan's, Logan is my brother, but his nickname is Beef, and most people know him by Beef. And the reason that he got the nickname is because he can produce enough methane to run a small, small car for at least a hundred miles. <laughs> Well, Corey, you didn't realize the other day he admitted to me, he says, I think I have irritable bowel syndrome. But I'm like, yeah, I think so. Oh, you think? You think? Yeah. yeah. That's I would all tell him is. he's just lucky I can't smell. Well, but you can still feel the rumbles. Oh, I can taste it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's lucky that I've had enough concussions in my life I can't smell, so. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, grew, I grew up with this thinking ass. And it takes a special person to deal with that. So my hat's off to you, Caitlin. Well, going we back should, to... Maybe we should start a GoFundMe, GoFundMe page for like a sleep apnea machine so you don't have to smell him. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. The couple thing is especially in the ranching industry, it's like you have to understand each other really well. <laughs> Communication is, like, huge. Yeah. Like, and not only that, it's like, Logan and I are both older now, and I always, like, laugh because it's like, when you're in your 20s, you have no idea who you are. Like, I don't care who, anyone who tells you, like, you're in your 20s, you're still trying to figure out who you are in life and what, what your plan is. It's like, we got lucky that we met each other in our early 30s, so at least, like, now we... We know what we are really looking for in life, and we've been through some bad experiences, so we know how to work through them, and we know how to talk about stuff. Although sometimes Logan doesn't want to hear what I have to say, but he does. <laughs> That's good for him. You know, but the biggest thing is, like, you just have to be open with each other. It's like, whenever something is going on, like, you just have to say, hey, this is how it is. And, like, working cattle is one of those things that's, like, we rarely have any disagreements when we're working cattle. And that's the thing. It's like before we even get started or if, if we're doing something and one of us doesn't agree with it, we just stop and say, hey, why don't we do it this way? 
right. and we sit there and talk about it. But it's like so many people like anymore. It's like, well, you don't talk about it. You just do it this way. And it's like, no, let's let's sit down and have a discussion about why this way. But we're also a really weird couple, too, because I don't think most couples at five o'clock in the morning drinking their coffee sit there and talk about, you know, how you deal with a brain or calf and how you sew up a, a prolapse. And, you know, it's like I'm always like, well, do you do it, you know? Do you do it the shoelace style or do you do it across? And it's like most people don't talk about those things. Don't lie to me. That's not what you guys are talking about over coffee. It's how bad his farts are or something <laughs> like that. No, he's probably still laughing about them because yeah. again, he has a sense of humor of a twelve year old. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't give me that this is what you do in the morning. I know him better now. That's what he does, but that's what I'm like, okay, can we stop laughing and like talking about <laughs> Talk about something serious here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So what advice would you give to someone trying to get into it? Into what? In into the cowboy stuff. Absorb like, everything you can. You know, it's like, ask questions. Don't be afraid to try new things. Shut up and listen. Don't yeah. be a arrogant. Well, that's what absorbing things is. It's like... Well, we're not all as smart as you are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so on a side note, before Caitlin moved in, you know, we text message a lot, you know, and well, we still do. But anyway, she'd send me some, like, off-the-wall message about whatever, you know. With big words. Well, shit, I didn't know what the hell she's talking about, so I had to go Google the words so I knew. Oh, jeez. I'd always know that he was Googling things because it would take a while to reply. And, like, <laughs> and then I asked him, like, did you have to look up that word? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, at least he's honest with you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, st- we're still to the point that he'll use words. I'm like, Logan, that's not the right word. <laughs> oh, man. But Sorry, no, thing. Like... Sorry thing is, he was a smart kid of the family. <laughs> he is a smart kid. Smart <laughs> ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I mean, if someone wants to get into cowboy, it's like, go for it. It's like, don't let anyone discourage you. There's ways to do it. Like, you can, you can do it if you just put your mind to it. Yeah. And start off small. Like, you don't have to be the best, and you don't have to go and be on, like, the biggest spread you can find. It's like, start yeah. off small. Like, go to your local sale barn and just go in there and start, like, running an alleyway. Yeah. Like, be around cattle. Like, start understanding how they move. The one of the biggest things I've never, like, growing up, never understood. And then when the older I got, I noticed it's like, people don't understand where to stand to move cattle or horses. It's hand-in-hand yep. the same. It's like, they don't yep. understand the quarter system. So it's like, if you can just be around them and realize, like, if I move here, this cow is going to go this way, you know? And just, the other thing is just, like, learning how to be calm. It's like, people get around cattle, and even horses, too. It's like, and they get jumpy and antsy, and, and then the cattle or the horses are the cattle, same way. Yeah, cattle and horses go off you. Yeah, yep. They definitely feed off you. Uh, talk a little bit about, he was talking about where to stand and stuff. You know, a lot of the people listening probably have no idea what you're talking about. So we always called it the quarter system. And so, like, if you were to take an animal and you cut him into quarters, so what you would do is from their nose to their tail would be a straight line down their spine, and then would cut him in half. 
and then across their shoulder, if you would make a line straight across their shoulder from their one front foot to their other, that would cut them into quarters. So the rule of thumb would be like, if you're standing in front of that, directly in front of that animal, they can't go forward, right? The only decision they have is to go back. So as soon as I like step to the right, that animal is going to go away from me that way. So like if I'm on, which I would be on technically on his left side if I'm standing in front of him, they're going to go to the right. So everywhere I move, and as soon as I step behind his shoulders, they're gonna go forward. So there's a reason why like any, I mean, and it's just like the smallest little inch that you can move and the animal will respond to it. And it's, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, it, it's, it's not even stepping this way or that way, it's leaning. Well, yeah, or even, I mean, there's sometimes you can just move your head and they yeah, do. Like, yeah. I know, like, working cattle lots, like, if you just stand there and you just kind of move your head a little bit, they just that little bit of movement and putting taking the pressure off of them, they're like, oh, well, now I can see the opening. And the other thing, like, you see people is, like, they get so pushy about it. It's like, they, they'll get up to a gate or an opening or something, or it's just, they just want to, and then they start rushing, and it's like, stop. Just stop yeah. and take your moment and let them figure it out. It's like, the animal are a lot smarter than people give them credit for. And it's like, you always hear people say, yeah. oh, cattle are dumb. It's like, no, cattle are trying to protect themselves. Yeah. And so, 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 like, say I'm on a big operation. We're, we're bringing in a lot, you know, let's just say we're bringing in 300 head of cows um, into like the corrals. And we got people, you know, spread all around, right and drag. Do you hoot and holler? Or do you say whoopee tie io or what do you do? Oh yeah, just run them all in as fast as you can. <laughs> no, it's like the the more quiet you can be, the better. It's it's not Hollywood. You don't have to have some big old scene of you know everything blowing through. Yeah. But and that's the thing. It's like I mean everything comes with patience, and it's like no different than what we talk about when you're first learning how to be or if you want to become a cowboy. It's like it takes time. Everything takes time. It's like, and the slower you go, the faster it is. Yep. Yep. There's so many times that just running cows in, you know, oh gosh, there's been so many brandings that it is, you know, everybody's hooting and hollering, yipping and, and you're like, just stop, just stop and let it happen. Or like the, the one thing that I see the most is when somebody's trying to load a cow and they'll be in this little pen and people are yelling and screaming and hitting and hot shotting and everything else and this cow's just getting pissed and going in circles and circles and circles like back up yep. just stop back up let them see what's going on and instead of trying to push her in there just let the pressure go back a ways and just give her a minute. Like she will go in there because that's where she, you know. Oh man, it, well, it drives me nuts. There, there'll be people that will hot shot a cow to the ground because yeah. every time she sticks her head in the alleyway, they'll hot shot her. It's like, well, if you stuck your head in the alleyway and, and you got zapped, what the hell are you going to do? You're not going to want to stick your head up there. Yep. <laughs> you know? Like every time I stick my head there, like I get shocked. So that's not the way to go. Well, it's no different than horses. It's like, how many people do you watch try to load their horse and they have such a big issue? And then they go, well, my horse won't load. 
it's like well every time that horse gets up there all you do is make it uncomfortable yeah so like, i mean i remember one time i can't remember where i was but these people couldn't get their horse to load and i went over to help them and i'm like and they were out there and they had a whip and they were just i mean overhauling this horse which is fine and all it's like whatever and i went up there and i'm like i walked into the trailer with this horse and it, you know the horse put its head down and started sniffing the trailer and we you know i released and they just start overhauling this horse and it's panicking trying to run over the top of me and i mean i let him have it and i'm like this horse oh, yeah. hasn't learned anything from you it's like yeah. stop i'm like back yeah. up and give him time to think about it and sure enough that horse stopped sniffed the trailer looked up at me i gave it a little bit of pressure again and walked right in it's yeah. like people think that and i'm guilty of it too it's like there's been times I've been really busy and it's like I've had a calf that needed to be doctored and I'm trying to get him to go down the alleyway to get into the chute so I give him a shot real quick and be done. And it's like, and I'm rushing and I'm just, you know, it's one of those things like my, just my mannerisms because that's, I mean, horses, cattle, they, all they learn from is body language, right? So if you watch exactly. cattle or horses in the pasture, how they communicate with each other is body language. Yep. And so my body is already telling him how I feel. So I'm, I'm already rushed and mad. So I'm coming up there and I'm like, you know, in hot pursuit. And that calf is like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm trying to shove him up the alleyway and he just keeps blowing over the top of me. So I'm more angry. And it's like, and I've done it a few times. And it's like, and then you just get more angry. And I mean, and then you catch yourself and say, whoa, like take a deep breath. So I take it's a step tough. back and yep. they walk right in there. Yeah. Yep. And I see that all the damn time and it's one of them things well shit my grandpa is one of them ones that taught me that too and my grandpa our grandpa the one thing that will stick me stick with me till the day i die is he said yeah when we go to the gathered bulls i can always tell how the day goes by how the boys saddle up sure and and I didn't really understand that at the time. But now I completely understand that. It, it, it's all. It, I know how the day's going to go by how the boys saddle up. Because when you're saddling up to go rope shit and doctor and, and make it harder than it has to be. It's going to be that way. But if you saddle up and you're loose cinch right now and you're going to go gather bulls and it's just kind of, you know, another day, you can usually get them where you need to be. But it takes patience. It takes time. And if you want them there right now, you're not going to have them there right now. If you want them there right now, but you don't have a, uh, but you don't have a time frame to get them there, you can usually get them there. No problem. Well, exactly. And that's something I've been trying to teach my kids. It's like, it doesn't even mean with cattle or, or with horses or with anything. It's like a positive mind frame goes a long way. And so I always try to teach my kids that. It's like, as soon as you wake up in the morning, like we can sit there and be like, I have to get up and I have to go to school or I have to go to work. And it's like, if you get up and say, you know, I can't wait to do this. It's like, it's so crazy how much better your day is. So it's like, you start yeah. off your day happy and then everything from the rest of the day goes better because instead of being like, this is going to be bad. It's like, I've had days like that where you just wake up and you have just, you're just mad about something. It doesn't matter what it is. You go saddle your horse and you can't catch your horse and you sit there and you're cussing <laughs> him. You're like, fine, I'll just have to rope you. So then you go and try to hula hand him and you can't do that. And you're just burn, burn the shit out of your hands. Yeah. yeah. 
and they're mad too and they're just like looking at you like what's your problem and you're looking at them like what's your problem and it's you you're the problem i mean they're reacting after everything you're doing oh yeah i don't think enough people understand that either if if you go in anywhere you, you say we're in a public place Anyone that's listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you go into a public place, there's somebody there that you instantly want to go talk to. And there's somebody there that you just want to avoid at all costs. You know, whether it be a bar or a community function or whatever it is, there's somebody there that has a smile on their face. And you want to go up, shake their hand, and say, hey, man, how the heck you been? And then there's somebody else that you might get along great with. And you don't want to talk to them at all. And it's the same way with horses, cattle, kids. Like, it don't matter. Whatever energy that you're giving off is what's going to come to you. And, like, a lot of these people are, oh, my life is so bad and I've had it this hard and blah, blah, blah. And they're always depressed. Well, you are going to get everybody else that's depressed to be around you. Well, exactly. No one wants to be around anyone pessimistic. No one wants to be around that. And it rubs no. off. And then it gets to the point where, like, you don't. You don't spend time with that person, and then they're mad about it. And it's like, well, it's like, I don't want to be part of that. And the older you get, the more you realize that. Oh, yeah. It's like that, that whole thing's like the, oh, the telephone deal. like, well, I, I'm not going to call anybody that never calls me. I was like, well, yeah, they're probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this asshole never called me for the last five years. So screw that guy. He don't. And he's he's thinking the same thing. I was like, not nah, screw that. Like this Facebook crap. Everybody pushing off of each other. Like. Go back to how it used to be. Man, I, I call people all the time. Well, my brother is way better about it than I am. Like, we'd be out supposed to be doing something, and he'd call a friend, you know, that he hadn't talked to in the last five minutes, and, hey, what's <laughs> going on? <You> know? <laughs> I'm like, like, we got shit to do, but that's very impressive, and that's very admirable of him. And I wish I could be more like that. I just get so sucked into my thing, you know? Well, yeah, and we're all we're all wired different. I'm the same way like that, Corey, too. It's like, and I have friends that understand that. It's like, my friends, I'm like, you know, I may not call you all the time, but don't think I'm not here for you. And they're the same way. It's like, we all, and the older you get, the more you realize, like, we all have things we're doing in our life. Like, it's not like high school anymore where our lives revolve, revolve around our friends. It's like, Logan and I have our own endeavors going on. We have beliefs and everything else. So it's like, it's really hard to, you know, it's like, we get people all the time. They're like, hey, you guys should come hang out with us. It's like, we'd love to, but from running around working all the time and taking care of our own place. It's like, we don't have time. Like we'd love to, and we'll get to you when we can. And that's part of it. It's like, you have to surround yourself with people who are like-minded. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's draining. Yeah. It's, it's man. I, I, I've went down the wrong path several times in my life to where, you know, the, 
people that it's easy to hang out with are not necessarily the best people to hang out with. Sure. You know, especially like in the drinking thing, you know, you get drinking beer and having a good time, boy, that you got a lot of friends. When you quit drinking, they definitely start spreading out few and far between, you know, it's just a hell I I thought we was good buddies. Well we was good buddies when we were drinking. But after that we can't hear you. Huh? There we go. Oh. <laughs> no, I was talking about when you quit drinking, about how, you know, when once you quit drinking, there's a lot of friends that you thought you had that just kind of disappear. Yeah. You know, they're, they're great friends when you're wanting to be stupid and and have bad ideas, but as soon as you want to turn your life around, they're not behind you. So you need to really be behind uh, your friends, especially friends that want to change their life, stuff like that. You got to be behind them. Well, yeah, it goes back to positive people. It's like, yeah, it's It's like you're around those type of people. They want to build you up, you know? Yeah. It's all yep. about becoming a better human. It's like becoming a better human means becoming better at everything you do. Exactly. I've, I had these bracelets made up that said be better. Yep. And I, and I sold a lot of them. And it wasn't because I was trying to make any money. It was because there's a lot of people that I gave that bracelet to. I'd have it made. And then, you know, I'd be a friend that was in a hard way. So I give it to them. And then. On and on and on. I don't know how many I've gave away, but to be better, to be better at what you're doing, be better at, you know, whatever the the thing may be, be better girlfriend or better wife or better husband or boyfriend or whatever the case may be. But you always have the reminder to be better. And that's where all that came from was just. I thought I had a lot of friends when I was drinking and then when I quit. Boy, they disappeared real quick. Well, and we all need that constant reminder. Every one of us needs every day to say, like, what can I do to improve today? Exactly. What can I do to learn more? Like, and that's it. It's like you see so many people going back to the cowboy thing that say, I don't need to learn anymore. I know everything. Yeah. It's like every day, if you can learn something from someone, that's like, I mean, I've doctored how many calves in my life, and it's like I still constantly ask people, like, "What do you do for this? Like, what can I do that's better to help treat these animals?" Well, and, and not only that, it's just like, how do you tie off? You know, like, cause there's there's about a thousand ways to tie off. You know, there's there's a horn knot way, and and there's going under the neck, and there's you know there's a thousand different ways to tie off when you're by yourself. How do you do it? And if you keep asking that question, you're going to come around to one of them that you're going to really like, and it fits everything. Yep. You know? Well, no, that's like you may be doing it a certain way and it's working great, but someone else might say, hey, do it this way. And you try and you go, well, that's even better. Exactly. Yep. Or this is faster or this is easier for me. Yeah. And only that's like, or even going back to like the doctoring, it's like, you may doctor one calf and it works really good. And then you'll do it again with another. And it goes, well, that didn't work. Why? 
you know and it's yeah. like well try this and it's like oh well why did it help this one but not this one and then then it opens up a whole nother discussion well like you know the whole el guapo thing i think is what they're calling it now man that was a that was a thing way before the 310 guys ever got a hold of that and they call it the el guapo we just always call it the wrapping one up you know uh-huh. and shit i'd wrap one up and doctor it and go about my business it wasn't nothing but a thing and you know if i had a blue tag in there i might trip it just for fun just see what my horses would do (laughs) (laughs) but it all comes from other people learning more things once you start thinking that you you know something that's when it's gonna bite you in the butt because you really don't well if you know everything then it's probably your time to go anyways yep yep so let's hear another story with you guys another story we probably better start thinking about going to bed we gotta feed in the morning oh man do a rope and extract you what then we gotta go do a rope and extract what's that oh caitlin's got a cow in the neighbors we can't get pulled so we gotta go (laughs) and extract her through a trailer she thinks that the neighbor's fall pairs is better than the home she was living in. We got one more story for the podcast, dude. One more story? We can't, we can't hear you. Huh? We can't hardly hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when we was uh, bringing cows home and there's a heifer out on Bub's? And you went and roped her on Ahab? <laughs> yeah, that uh, snaky bitch that went up there. I don't even remember what her number was now. I don't know, because we sold her. But, yeah, we had these cabin heifers, and she was dirty bad. Pulled a calf out of her, let her out of the cabin lot. She went through, like, two or three fences, got up north on bubs and we just gonna let her calm down a little bit and like next like next day or a couple days after that we was gonna be bringing like four or five hundred cows down the road to go home to kiev so like hell let's go sort her off then because everything's gonna be by the gate yeah because them fall pairs going to come home yeah so we get them by no, Ronnie Pelster was up front with pickup trailer. Imagine that. Yep, old Ron. And we, uh, Corey and I go in there to sort her off. This bitch does not sort off. So we decide we're going to rope her. And Corey, in all his infinite wis- wisdom, it is colder than hell, decides that he's going to rope her going into the wind. Well, that don't work very good. So I get behind her, and I wheel her around to go with the wind. So I had the windage and elevation. I roped her, and she is so mad. Corey went to finish trailing cows. They only had like another mile to go. Then tell Ron to come back with a trailer. 
So I'm stuck up there with this cow or this your, or heifer that just killed. She come at me, so I just dally up and ride, and I drag her everywhere. Well, anyway, this goes on for a while, but it's so funny because we had sharp shoes on, and the ground was just just uh, good enough there that you can see all the sharp shoe tracks around, which is kind of cool. But anyway. I'm going to cuss you off for messing up his. No, he thought it was funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Corey finally gets back, and I had to wrangle the troops. Yep, and he comes in there doing the cavalry chant, and just assholes this bitch, just t-bones her. We stretch her out. We got her between like two 45, 50 foot ropes, and she take off at one of us. The ropes the front foot. Yeah, that's right. She take off at yeah. one of us, and the other guy just let her go clear, clear to the end and lock her off and just dump her. Oh, man. And I mean, we just straight up wrecked this dirty old bitch. Because she was not playing nice. No, it she was, was out for blood. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to drag this cow to the trailer because she's in the wrong pasture. Like, this this cow, she was dirty, dirty. Like, it yeah. was gloves off. Yeah, like so, trying, to, trying to kill Logan on his horse. And as soon as, like, so Logan had a rope on the neck, and then I had a rope on the front foot, so she would take off chasing him, trying to hook him, and I'd dally up and just, well, I had a front foot, so I'd dally up and just wreck her on her head. And then as soon as she got back up, she'd take off chasing me and then Logan dally up and wreck her back on her head. And it was just like this teeter-totter thing all the way up to flat ground where Ronnie could get the trailer. So Ronnie backs that trailer up there. And we'd say, Ron, watch her. She's a little bit pissed. So Ron goes back and grabs like a shovel. (laughs) Comes back and this poor bitch get something wrong, just Babe Ruth her ass right across the face of the spade. And we run the ropes through. And I can't remember, we had like four dogs, didn't we? Oh, yeah. They were like, it was all hands on deck at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we was gonna win. Yeah. And we get the ropes run through that old trailer and we tell the dogs to get them up and we go to Dragon and she's coming in the trailer. <laughs> And Ron's got a shovel just beating the hell out of <laughs> poor bitch. I thought he had a hot shot, too. Oh, yeah. Like, beating the hell out of her with a scoop shovel and a hot shot right up the yin-yang. And, yeah, this cow just, <laughs> just yelling and screaming. She's got two big old horses dragging her ass. Yeah. Like, oh, man, bitch, you fucked up. You had two horses. Like, we wasn't even riding colts that day. We had the eight. Yeah, she really screwed up because we was both on broke horses, or you know, our brokest horses at that time. And it's like, yeah, did not pick the right fight at this day. And the hell when we got her in there, she did not quit fighting. Then she started spinning around. I think we had four or five, forty-five or fifty-foot ropes on her. They was all in a wad. We was trying to get them off. 
and I stuck my ear flapper cap in there and get her attention. <laughs> yeah. The dirty bitch bit my ear flapper cap, trying to pull away from me. I have never seen a cow actually bite something. Like, be so mad that they would actually bite. She did. We had a tug until of war. that day. Yeah, she was. She was not a happy camper. Then we took her down and unloaded her, and like. What two or three days later, Grapple took her to the sale barn, weighed yeah. It up. Yeah. Well, was you there and we loaded her on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? And uh, I don't know. I I know, like when we unload, like the only reason that we got her unloaded because I went and stood on the backside of the yeah. pants and was like jumping around, and she came at me, and and then just flat wrecked the gate or tried to. Luckily, the ranch is pretty notorious for wild-ass cows, and we could probably run buffaloes through those corrals. So, yeah, she she didn't knock herself out, but she knocked herself stupid anyway, stupider than she was. Yeah, then Grapple loaded her on. We was pulling her with a little three-quarter ton pickup, and the 16-foot bumper hitch trailer we call Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because the nose is falling off. And Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's all over. Mm-hmm. And loaded her up. And that was a real treat, getting her loaded. Took her to the sale barn. And our cousin was the auctioneer. She come in there, she didn't have any hair on her neck, any hair on her front legs or anywhere. And he yeah. asked, he goes, geez, Mel, what happened to that one? He's like, I don't know. I just told the boys to get gathered, and this is what they brought home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what we did bring home. She was dirty bad. Like I've loaded a lot of nasty cows, like a lot of brush cows. I've loaded in Oklahoma, Montana, Nebraska, South Dakota, and that bitch was just dirty bad. I made people you sell her. We wasn't uh, keep her much longer. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, she would. Well, the the whole he probably wouldn't have sold her, but she just jumped fences and left her calf there. Oh, she was bad. Oh man, tell you to keep bringing her over. Oh, (laughs) sure. Oh, yeah, she was dirty. You remember (laughs) that one cow of mine that we run, I don't know how many thousands of head through that curl. That fall and spring and nothing ever looked that oh, hole. Oh, yeah. And that no good bitch went through it. There was yeah. a number. It was your 911 cow. No. Oh, I got a story about her. But uh, yeah. it was right around the house and all the cabin lots and horse lots and everything. And I think that bitch went, and it's just like, I don't know if you guys have ever hunted greyhounds, but them cows go through the fence wherever they damn well please well the horses you kind of got to go through a gate or knock the fence down well i think she went through like 17 fences before we finally catch up to her oh god it was terrible felt like a damn like you just get standing in the stirrups and that bitch would go through a fence and then you have to go find a gate yeah oh man she was terrible got her out on chaplin's cabin quarter and yeah i get her get a good run out of there and I went up roped her and I was riding that Palomino gilly and I wheeled him to the house and away we went and we went until she was talking to Jesus <laughs> yeah it was funnier shit because we was trying to 
tried to load her in the trailer, and I was pretty hot by this time. And she had, like, blood vessels showing through her eyes and stuff from getting choked down. And I was jumping on her head, shoving Copenhagen in her eyes. And Dad's like, geez, you, you think you should slow down a little bit or something? I don't remember what the hell he said, but I was like, no! This bitch needs to die if it's here or at the killing plant. I don't care. Well, oh, I was mad. Then our dumbasses took her down summer grass and she got out and all them guys down there couldn't get her captured and then finally they did yeah and grapple went up to get her in a half ton pickup an 18 foot gooseneck trailer so i go down to get her and we just gonna back you know trailer to trailer and run her across yeah well grapple was a staunch catholic so we had the rosary on the rear view mirror and that bitch was going so ape shit in that trailer trying to jump out that old uh uh, rosary, yeah, rosary's going around there like a fucking helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Then we yeah. took her and dropped her off the sale barn. And I guess she took out so much fence at the Thanksgiving sale, just a wall of destruction behind her. Went to the bar after that, and Kurt Weber is the yard man. He goes, If you ever have a cow that wild again, don't bring her here, right. Well, and the the worst part of the whole deal is like that was kind of a normal cow for yeah. that operation. Yeah, that's the funny thing. People like I'll go I'll go somewhere to work and but like, oh this cow's wild as shit. <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah, you know. All right. Oh man, yeah, that was a. I don't even remember what I was riding at that time, but it was just one fence through the next fence through the next fence through the next fence. Every time we get close, boy, she'd jump another one across the road. Oh man, I was mad by the time I got a hold of her. Or you, you, you actually roped her, I guess. But you know, by the time I got caught up, I was dirty mad. Yeah. Oh man! You now them calving them cows out and getting launched across the Durango a few times and yeah, or just them were pure and simply they was range cows. Yeah. Shit, you remember the time that we went down the to Elton's to get all them cows and that jumped the river. Yeah, screw that. Yeah. Man, that was terrible. Well, hell, I'll let you guys get to bed. You guys are getting old. Yeah, we are. Probably farting dust by now, so. Yeah, we're getting pretty long in the tooth. Yeah. So. All right, well, it was good talking with you, and we'll probably have you guys on here again, and we'll actually talk about what we's going to. I know. <laughs> Sounds good. We kind of have <laughs> <laughs> All okay. right, well, thanks, Beef yeah. and Caitlin. Thanks. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you to ask questions, uh, do you want to put your name out there or not? Sure. Sure. Okay, so Caitlin Cooper. 
You for now. <laughs> and then uh beef blevins. Yep. Yep. Logan Seaman. That's my brother, but his name is Beef. Yep. Yep. So all right. Well, everybody, I hope you have a good night and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If there's something that you would like to talk about or if you want to be on the podcast, maybe give me a holler and we will get it done. So thanks, Beef and Caitlin, and we will see you guys down the road. All right. Have a good night. Yep. Have a good one. Keep it thick on the ice. Yeah. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>